This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I uh, I didn't contemplate this that I wouldn't be able to fit the headphones over the Riddler helmet. Hat. Hat. All right, I got to figure this out. Happy Halloween, everybody! It's not gonna work. <laughs> that actually looks kind of funny. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. This is my famous Riddler outfit that I wear every year for Halloween. I got the Riddler cane. I got the matching pants. I got socks. I've been doing this for years for my kids. And my kids are now, God, it's got to be able to work. Talk. Yeah, you've been doing it for years. I remember a couple years ago we had a Halloween party kind of thing here at your house. And uh, you were the Riddler. And I was Gardner Minshew. That's when Minshew Mania was taking over the NFL when he was a Jaguar. They don't have to worry about that now. They got Trevor Lawrence. But he's not starting for the Colts. So I've known how, about this for a while. How are my Jags doing? Well, they beat the Steelers earlier. My day. Jags are winning. Steelers are a mess. Woo! There you go, folks. So every Halloween, I dress, except the one Halloween I win is John Gruden. That's your, that's your picture when you call me. Yeah. <laughs> I have the big championship ring. Sabercats ring. Yeah. I, 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 the the Sabercat championship ring is like it's designed like a Super Bowl ring. It's obnoxious. So I have the big ring. I had all the Raider gear on. I had the headset. Too soon? Was it too soon? All the dads loved it when they brought the kids up for Canada. They go, Gruden. They got it. My wife had. She didn't think it was funny. <laughs> but this is the famous Riddler outfit. It's a full suit. And I wanted to say happy Halloween. Happy, Halloween, to me, no doubt, is my favorite time of the year. I deck my house out. I've been doing it for my kids. And I started to realize that my kids are going to go away to school next year. 
but I'm still the best guy on the block. I'm going to have to carry this tradition. I've got skeletons everywhere. I got tombstones. I got lights. My house is lit up like it's like Christmas, except it's Halloween. My neighborhood where I live, down in the South Bay, San Jose, place called Willow Glen, it's a pretty big Halloween area. People from all over the city bring their kids into Willow Glen. It's safe. We'll have thousands of trick-or-treaters, especially downtown Willow Glen. We're a big, we're a big Halloween spot. So I carry on the tradition of Willow Glen Halloween. I'd say I'd come, we'd come hang out with you guys for Halloween tomorrow, but we're going to be Halloweening in Seattle in the rain in the Pacific Northwest. Well, yeah, I haven't had a Halloween, but COVID, I always had a Halloween party, and everybody would come to my house. But COVID kind of killed that. Now everybody's kids are teenagers. Everyone's getting older. I mean, yeah, even so now, 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 now it's like because all the kids would like dress up and trick or treat around the neighborhood, and I would go around dressed like this. We did that a couple years ago. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of killed it. So happy Halloween, everybody from A's Cast Live. Great show for you today. We got who do we got today? We got Scott Braun for the first time from Foul Territory. The- well, we had him on years ago, but. He's now foul territory. We had him on when he was MLB Network. MLB Network, yeah. So we have him today at 1.30. And uh, our uh, our resident MLB analyst during the postseason, Scott Emerson, the A's pitching coach, will be here at 2.30. All right, I'm going to give you guys – can I play bookmaker? Since – by the way, you want to talk about something that ruffles the – there's, there's a lot of things that ruffle your feathers, that get your panties in a bunch, as they say. It really chaps my... Chaps your hide. There you go. (laughs) But the one thing that chaps your hide probably more than anything lately is the fact that we technically are not allowed to play fantasy baseball as baseball employees. I got a gripe with that. It it bothers you. Do you want to know why? Did I text you about it yesterday? You texted me yesterday about how NFL players, guys who actually can't affect the game. Austin Eckler plays fantasy football. Mike Tirico mentioned it on Sunday Night Football that Austin Eckler has himself in fantasy football, but we can't do fantasy baseball. So you and I cannot affect a Major League Baseball game. Correct, no. For gambling purposes. No. Right? So we can't gamble at all, like at all. We can gamble on football. But we can only gamble in Nevada, right? It's a great question. I I've I don't know the rules, ins and outs of the gambling. I've never done it, so I don't know. Well, we had a whole thing that we had to go through. Yeah, that was last year. Yeah, I think it's Nevada. Oh, you just pressed yes, yes, yes. That was Take a the really quiz at long. That was a really long. Oh train. wow! See, I as an A's employee, <laughs> I listened to every video. All I heard was something like, we have to be in Nevada a bit, which I will be in Reno. Well, there's no sports books in California. November 3rd through the 5th, I'll be in Reno. Come see me at the El Dorado. Uh, we'll be at the El Dorado. We'll also be over at the Silver um, Silver Legacy Sportsbook. I will be there gambling on football legally. But you are chapped. NFL players can play fantasy football. They can affect the game on a gambling bait, we have no effect on who plays, how it works, and we can't play fantasy baseball. It's not like the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer goes into the Yankees clubhouse and tells Paul O'Neill he needs him to hit two home runs tonight. We have no you know, juice. We, it's not like we go up there and say, we go up to Shailen, hey, Shay, I need a homer and I need you, need you to steal a couple bags for me. Can you do that for me? We don't, that's not what happens. But speaking of gambling, 
I'm going to throw a proposition out at you tonight. Max Scherzer has pitched twice in the postseason. This year. This year, yeah. 9.45 ERA. It's not good. Seven Ernie's and six and two-thirds. Here's your prop bet. Over and under five innings tonight. He's a future Hall of Famer. We've had to hear that. That's the worst thing about this delay in the World Series, having the day off, is having to learn everything about Max Scherzer, and he's a future Hall of Famer. He sucked last year against the Padres in the World Series. They racked him. He's been bad. He hasn't been good since 19 in the postseason, which, by the way, um, that was a long time ago. He has a losing record in the postseason. He's seven and eight. Uh, his teams are fourteen to fifteen. In the games he's appear he appears in. I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take the old under on that one. You're gonna take the under. I'm gonna see what Scott Emerson, also baseball employee, cannot bet. But if he could, <laughs> I want to know if he would take the over and under on Max. Scherzer. Like I don't even Max Scherzer tonight is like non-factor to me. The only factor he is gonna be, in my opinion, is a negative one. I do not expect anything out of this guy. This whole future Hall of Fame garbage, yes, he is. He'll be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It has nothing to do with tonight's game. This guy, I'm not betting anything. I'm. Be- By the way, who took the Diamondbacks in five? You. Let's go back to game one. Who had the lead in the ninth inning? The Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are one swing away from being 2-0 and and having game three in their home yard tonight. Correct, yep. The Rangers had to hit. Seager hits an incredible two-run shot to tie it. Uh, you, know, make, you know, they're talking about Kurt Gibson. Sorry, Ace fans. And then Adolis Garcia with the game winner. All of that had to happen just for them to tie it and win it. And then the next game, you think, well, the young Dimebacks come out, 16 hits, and run them off the field. Literally ran them off the field. Rangers are lucky right now they're not going to get swept. Yeah, you heard it right here. I still think – you going to be shocked if Arizona wins the next three games? No, the only game I'm worried about is tomorrow. That's it. That's all. Who are the Rangers going to throw? John Gray. Exactly. I'll give you the prop bet again tomorrow. You think John Gray will go five innings? I'm going to go probably not. Remember, Boach manages with his gut. Yeah, but the problem is Boach's gut doesn't have a good bullpen. Also, and true. this is where that's catching up. If you're not Spores and you're not LeClerc, this is where your problem is. Yeah, and Avoldi wasn't good in game one. So, and Montgomery was okay. And then the bullpen he let was him all down. Right. And then the bullpen let him down. Shocker. Shocker Rangers bullpen let him down. Uh yeah. You you need to get back to those two guys if you want to have a chance. And I mean, even then, I mean, we saw what Arizona was able to do to them. But yeah, I don't know. I think Gray might take the under on Gray too, <laughs> because we won't be on. So yeah, I'm gonna t- I'll take the under on Gray going five. You're gonna take the you're gonna take that? Does that mean that Martin Perez or or um who's the other starter they have? Oh, those are the other those are the guys. Because Scherzer's going tonight, obviously. That amazing. Martin Perez was an all-star last year. Yeah. He makes a lot of money. Makes like nineteen million. Last seven games for the Arizona Diamondbacks. As a team, it's hard to see in this mask. Hitting two eighty five. 
Six home runs, 20 extra base hits, 14 stolen bases. Get me David Forst on the line. Six sack bunts. These guys are relentless. It's just the second time in World Series history that a team only struck out twice in a game. It is unbelievable. But I wanted just to briefly talk about here is a here like the difference between football and baseball. In baseball, we're a sport that's so long and it's every single day that you have people who cover the game and it's just not the media anymore because we have we have all the analytics people. We got like the pitching ninja. We have all these different people who cover baseball now. And throughout the year, you will have, and I want to use the Atlanta Braves, who had the most wins this year, hit the most home runs, as a great example. There were thousands of posts about the Atlanta Braves this year. If you count articles, tweets, Instagram. Reels. Reels on Facebook. By the way, hit subscribe. I forgot about that. Yeah. Hit subscribe. Hit the like button. Hit all the different buttons that say you like the show. Subscribe. We've been told to do that. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. Um, what do you do on uh, you on Facebook? Wherever you listen to your podcast, you're an old man. You're on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. I, I'm not. If you're on, if you listen, I'm to, a TikTok guy. If you listen to the, the, the podcast, the subscribe, like, and review of the AceCast, you know, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, do it there. Also, subscribe on YouTube to the Ace YouTube page. You'll find all of our content, all the Ace content. So do that. And help us out. So there's right. that. So the Atlanta Braves this year, I guarantee you there was thousands of posts. I mean, every single game. I mean, how, you would probably get over 100 tweets from Sarah Langs alone on the Atlanta Braves. I think Sarah probably had the most tweets about the Braves, I would say. Besides Braves. Eh, probably no, more than the people Braves. inside Atlanta would have tweeted. Yeah, they tweet it. I mean, people tweet every game. It's part of your job. So I'm not harping on anybody. I'm just saying you spent six months. How many times did we have to see the graphic? Alex Anthopoulos, he's a genius. Look at all these guys, their ages, their contracts. They're brilliant. You know, Ronald Acuna Jr., it's the most historic season ever. Matt Olson's going to hit the most home runs, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, wham, they're knocked out of the postseason like that. They didn't hit at all. See, the problem baseball has is, is they build these teams up, and they build these teams up, and they can't pivot. And so all of a sudden, once they've done all this work and all the numbers and all the articles, and the Atlanta Braves are so great, and all their guys are signed, and look how smart they are and all this kind of stuff, all of a sudden they're out. So all that work for the last six months is what? It's garbage. Didn't mean anything. And so they have a hard – it's like, mm, this sucks. That an 84-win team is in the World Series. They're like a pat, like the the people around the baseball world become like pouty 12-year-olds. I can't believe this is not right. You know, they get all pouty. It's competition. It's sport. It's what it's all about. We love the postseason. We don't want to go back to when baseball was just American League, National League, two best teams played each other. And then we had East and West in the National League. So there was four teams who ended up who played and the two went to the world. No, we like tournaments. We as American sports fans, we love tournaments. It's great. And also it shows you 
How it the more we the more we have tournaments, the more it exposes the regular season isn't what you think it is. It's like great. For six months, you you probably played around five hundred baseball against the good teams, and you beat up on the bad teams. Congratulations. Now you're in a tournament and you gotta bring it every inning, every pitch, every series. Can you do that? And look at the and, and and the style of baseball. No matter what, if you watched MLB Network last night, there was a graphic of hits per game. Last ten postseasons, how many hits per game are you getting? It was the Giants of fourteen, two of the Astros teams, two of the Kansas City Royals teams, and this Arizona team. As we remember, those Royals team, they put the bat on the ball. This style of play, we don't strike out, we make contact, we run like hell, we play defense. That is winning baseball. This league that you've built now, these front offices, where everything is home runs and walks, the three true outcomes, dingers, strikeouts, and walks. It doesn't play. We haven't had a team win the World Series who hit the most home runs in a season since 2009. That was a long time ago. And when you just get up there in the regular season, day after day, bombs away, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to hit bombs. You get into the postseason and you don't hit bombs, you get exposed. The Diamondbacks have exposed people. Remember how hot Philly was? Like, Baseball wanted to pivot from the Braves to the Phillies, right? Oh, well, Atlanta's out. That sucks, but look how great Philly is. Oh, it's excitement. It's this. It's that. It's the loudest ballpark we've seen. They're hitting homers. Look at all the homers. Homer, homer, homer. And what happens? They got exposed. They didn't hit homers. They go home. The D-backs play an all-around style of baseball. They hit some homers. They hit extra base hits, and they just hit. And they steal bases. They're constantly moving. It's good, quality, sound, fundamental baseball. And it plays in tournaments. Your all-or-nothing baseball that you do for six months can be defeated. And we see it time and time again. Your stars don't show up and hit bombs. You're going home. And all of a sudden, Tommy Pham is going four for four. Do you want to see the numbers of some of the stars in baseball this year who we, oh, my God, Mookie Betts is going to be a correspondent. He's been terrible the last two years. What did Ronald Acuna do? What did Matt Olson do? What did all the, what did all the guys who are going to be the MVPs this year doing the postseason? They did nothing. And here's Tommy Pham roping it all around the yard. He had been so bad he took extra batting practice and went four for four. These guys, these Diamondbacks are relentless. Rangers are good too. They've scored a lot of runs. By the way, Rangers, this has been these, these po- this postseason. It's been exciting as hell. Rangers are undefeated on the road. Yeah, that's incredible. Right? Yeah, eight zero on the road. You figured they played some heavy hitting teams. They let's see, they played Tampa. They beat them. They won not what ninety nine games. Tampa won. Then the sec- the next round they played. Um, who did they play? Why am I drawing a blank on they played in the second round? Baltimore. Baltimore, they won 100 games. They beat them. 
And then in the and the in the championship series, they beat Houston, who won a lot of, won ninety games. So they're run and they want all they do is win on the road. They're like the, that's why in that series against the Astros, the road team won every single game. The one thing no one can make any heads or tails about, and I just wonder the style of play. Because I think about, once again, how our sport is – it's six months. Think about how a game works. National anthem, everybody, you know, puts their hand – everybody comes out, you know, national anthem. Then all of a sudden, pitcher comes out, gets his warm-up pitches, first batter comes up, here's the first inning, here we go. And the game has a rhythm to it, right? The season has a rhythm to it. Well, the postseason doesn't have rhythm. The postseason has desperation. And this whole thing about who score first wins, in this postseason, if the Rangers have scored first, they're undefeated. If the Diamondbacks have scored first, they're undefeated. Overall, teams that score first are 29-9. and nine. That is a 763 winning percentage. Now, it's not that during the regular season, obviously. I mean, I think about all the baseball games I played in. I think about all the baseball games I've covered. I've never thought, oh, team scored first in the first inning. This thing's over. But in playoff baseball, there is desperation. And I just wonder, in a regular season game in June and July, team goes out, first three guys get out. Eh, you know, there's a lot of just we go through the motions, right? Even though these guys are competing like hell, they're getting paid a lot of money, they're trying to win, they're trying to put up the numbers. But still, it's, you know, it's June, it's May. It's first inning, it's second inning. What if a team actually took this mentality of, guys, we got to score now. You get on, we're going to do everything we can to score you. What if you took this mentality? It reminds me of, this might be a stretch, it reminds me of, the fastest show on turf, the greatest show on turf. Dick Vermeil. That would be the St. Louis Rams. Kurt Warner. I mean, Mar Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, they got up on you so fast. Troy like, Holt. Right out of the gate, wham, wham, wham. You're down 21 nothing. This game's over. Right? Remember those guys? On turf in their building, they were, un I'm not going to say unbeatable, but it was tough. Edward Jones, though, was what it was called back then, St. Louis. The what? Edward Jones Dome is what it was called in St. Louis. Edward Lewis. James or Edward Jones? I think it was Jones. Is Edward Jones Dome. Is it still there? Uh, I think that's where the St. Louis Blues play. There's no way a hockey team plays in a football stadium. Edward Jones. Let's see. Edward Jones Dome. They now call it the Dome at America Center, previously known as uh, in the Edward Jones Dome from 2002 to 2016. It used to be called the – Trans World Dome from 1995 to 2001. Then it was the Edward Jones Dome, 2002 to 16. Thanks for that knowledge. Yeah, well, it's still there. That's good St. Louis Dome knowledge. We're, we're all better because of that. Uh, but that's what kind of reminds me of. Oh, by the way, back on the narrative of how people have a hard time, like, they're, you know, if their people are not into this World Series, I think of football. Football is very good at switching the narrative and pivoting right away. And I think the Niners are a great example of that just this year. 
If you remember Sunday night football when the Niners dismantled the Dallas Cowboys, they kicked the crap out of the Dallas Cowboys. The Niners, at, what were they, 5-0 and at the time? Yep. And the Eagles had won earlier that day because it was Sunday night football. The, Eagle, the Eagles won earlier that day. They were 5-0. and So Tariko and Collins worked after the game. I was watching the postgame show. I was watching with buddies. And they were talking about, hey, these are the two best teams in football. Would anyone have debated that at that point? Uh, no, those those facts. They were kicking teams. You know what? They deserve that. But football has the ability to flip real quick. And now the Niners have lost three in a row, and now it's completely different. To where baseball can't do that. I'll give you another example. Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's say this was like football. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series, right? It's not the Braves. It's not the Dodgers. Hell, it's not the Phillies. And everybody's like, oh. You know what Fox would have done immediately? They fly Jimmy Johnson to Texas. Jimmy Johnson would have been interviewing Tori Lovello for the pregame show, right? Coach to coach. Obviously, he's a manager, but we're comparing like football. Howie Long's doing a special. They're now all at football can flip to the Cinderella team. Patriots, Tom Brady defeated. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks one, and now they're all in on Arizona, and they're selling Arizona. You would know you know where every guy went to elementary school, where he went to high school. You'd have more information on the Arizona Diamondbacks if this was football, right? And I know there's a lot of time in between games, but that's how they roll. Baseball was still like, oh, why are these guys in it? This sucks. That's the difference. Baseball just can't pivot to the great story. Because to me, the D-backs are a great story. It's been a lot of fun to watch. They have a hard time with that. And, yeah, especially when your pregame show. See, Fox's pregame show in football would be building it up like this, the greatest thing. Fox pregame show in baseball is let's have the Yankees and Red Sox guys <laughs> talk about their careers. It's, Awful. Awful. It's not – yeah, I mentioned that to you before we came on, that – Football does such a good job, and when you come to baseball, it's like, oh, it's Jeter and A-Rod and, and uh, Big Poppy up there. Big Poppy's just a laugh track. He says that. The only guy who kind of says something, even though he's boring as hell, is Jeter. Yeah, that's what I, I – But that's the whole thing I wanted to mention about baseball. It's like, you know what? Enjoy this. Enjoy this World Series because there's a lot of – there's been some historic stuff, and it's a great – like, we're seeing baseball doing everything it can to legislate to get baseball back to being a fun game again that's just not home run strikeouts and walks, right? We're hearing that baseball may now limit the amount of pitchers from 13. Now, first of all, they limited it to 13. They had to set that rule. You used to be able to set your roster. It used to be 25. How many you want, whatever you want, you can have. You could have 25 position players if you wanted. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't set there up. There was well. nothing in the rules that said you could have had twenty five pitchers. You I know that sounds ridiculous, but there was nothing in the rules that said how many pitchers it's not fantasy baseball. You could have had twenty five back in not that long ago. You could have had twenty five position players and no pitchers. Yeah. And then like like what the Brewers did years ago, they had eight hundred relievers they were calling up and down, up and down all year. The Rays were doing the same thing. Then they limit the thirteen. And 26-man roster. And then it goes to 28 in September, not 40, where we're seeing, you know, uh, 15 more relievers come up in September. Yeah. So we're talking about now limiting it to 12 pitchers. 
They are trying to legislate against front offices again. And what would that do? They're trying to eliminate the opener. And I think it goes even further than that. Like, if there was any team like this would have really affected, they didn't have a good year anyway. But think about the San Francisco Giants, our neighbors across the bay. If they only had 12 pitchers, with the way Farhan and Kapler, we'll see how Farhan and Melvin go after it, but Farhan and Kapler, I was telling this story yesterday while golfing with, with a couple Giants fans. I said, I'll never forget over at Oracle Park this year where Kapler in the third inning was matching up against Tony Kemp, who was batting like 167. He went to the bullpen to get the lefty against Tony Kemp. No offense. I mean, we love Tony Kemp, but am I really mixing and matching against Tony Kemp? In the thir- it was the third inning. It was third inning. They had two outs. Middle of July. It's not like it was a postseason game. And it was like you're ma- you're mixing you're you're matching up against Tony Kemp, who's not even hitting his weight. Really, that I, you won't be able to play like that. And now that we have the rules about how many times you can up and down guys from the minor leagues. If you say, hey, 12 pitchers, you take one less. So we could be getting less openers, and we could be getting less mixing and matching. Therefore, forcing you as organizations, you're going to have to get innings from your starters. Yeah, it was Manfred was, uh, Commissioner Manfred was asked about it the other day before the World Series started, and his quote was, I do think that historically starting pitchers have been some of the biggest stars in the game, and I think that the way that pitching is being used right now has caused the – um, pretty much diminuing the the value of a star quality of uh, star kind of quality for some of our starters. I do think it's an issue that we should talk about this year. Starters average five point one innings per start. So, I, I kind of like this going back to it. You know, I was always a big bullpen and opener guy, but it's just gotten way out wow. of hand. Wow! Go just, ahead. It's just gotten Go way out of say, hand. You you can say you were wrong. I, I was. You can say you're wrong. It's it's healthy. It's healthy to say <laughs> I was wrong. That was wrong, and that it wasn't good for the game. At the time, it was helping, but it wasn't. It's not good for the game now. It it it, it swayed too far. Exactly. It, it literally, like you could see the benefits of it, um, but in the end, it just it, it it swayed too far, and you know it's like when we go down when Stockton, our A ball team, comes up and plays the San Jose Giants. Well, actually, that would be coming down, Stockton to San Jose. Yeah. When they come down to play the San Jose Giants, and we always go to support Stockton, and we're watching these games, and it's really, hell, our guy for the ports last time went five or six innings. I was like, call him up. I don't care if he's an A-ball. If he can give us five innings. Uh, Yeah, but the guy, the last two times we've seen Stockton take on uh, San Jose, both of the San Jose guys are out there just mowing down the Stockton hitters, and they get taken out in the third. Yeah, they're following what the Rancho Cucamonga Dodgers were doing. And you're like, what, what are you, why is this guy coming out? He's mowing down the lineup. He's out. So, if you – and I, we'll talk to Scott Emerson, our pitching coach, about this. If you are training your starters to not go deep in games, guess what? You're not going to go deep in games. That's, I mean, that's just a reality. It's, it's true, yes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Do we got Scott? We do, yes. Just stay on this camera, by the way. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, a day early. Yeah, What's we're... Going on? I got a kids event after us, so I, I decided to go, uh, go the famous Riddler costume that I do every single year for the show. I've talked about it for years with the fans, so I decided to bust it out. How are you? I'm great, and even better now. I love the look. It looks fantastic. Obviously, it's very A's festive as well. So, oh, man, you're you're dumbing down on me a little bit. Now who are you turning into? No, I, I put the, the A's titleist golf hat on. It was getting hot. I've, been ha- I've had it on for a half hour. So we, I have to bring <laughs> this up because the last time we had you on, you're at MLB Network. It was spring mm-hmm. training. I want to say, say you were in Tempe with the uh, Angels. And then I'm sure for a lot of our fans, where did you go? Now foul territory starts up, but you were fabulous on MLB Network. Tell the story about foul territory because we got so used to you on MLB Network, and then all of a sudden this new career choice. Talk about it. Yeah, it was. it's been a long journey. MLB, I was there for over 11 years, and then I was like, got to go. Yeah. Um, so I left officially in February. Um, we've been talking about doing this for a while. There's actually a great article in awful announcing from last week. I didn't know it was going to turn into that, but recommend everyone take a peek. It's all over socials, but been speaking to current and former players for years about what our game was missing from a media perspective. And I felt like more connection with players, more of that clubhouse feel, which we all know we're around players all the time. There's such great drama conversations, authenticity, that it just felt like we were missing in our sport that football and basketball had. So here we go. I mean, to put it really simply, if you know people like, say, Pat McAfee show or what some of the guys at I Am Athlete are doing on the football world, right? All these media driven yeah. or athlete media driven shows and outlets that are out there just didn't see anything for baseball. Everyone was like, where is it? And we finally decided, screw it. Let's all put it together. So full time gig hosting foul territory with a cast of 10 people that are a part of it, all former players besides myself. And then Ken Rosenthal makes frequent stops. But then on the writer side of things too, I mean, what I've found is we actually have you know more writers and insiders that are a part of the mix than I initially anticipated because it's just become more of like this 
national or even international home for covering baseball, in my mind, the way that it should be covered. All 30 teams, no holding back, doesn't matter what the topic is, right? We go for it. And I think that's what the sport wants. And a younger audience, too, that's into authenticity and is used to growing up where someone does this and they start telling telling people what their thoughts are. And it doesn't matter what, you know, a corporation says or they don't have to worry about, you know, how pointed they have to be with their speech. And you're seeing that. So it creates a lot of viral moments. I think it's just cool access for players, too. So it's been awesome. Yeah, I, I had a great ride with MLB. I felt like this was a once in a lifetime opportunity that it was I was a part of founding and starting up and we're just getting started. We've had a lot of great audience interaction and now have the flagship show of foul territory, but many others that have been created from it, including Ken Rosenthal's fair territory legends territory, which has had some cool combos with some major former players, hall of famers. So here I am happier than ever too, most importantly in life. Well, you know, think about it years ago when we started this, people thought we were crazy, right? We were the first team to do it. You've been on the show. We had everybody on MLB Network's been on the show. We're going to be at the winter meetings again in Nashville. We're at the last two ones in San Diego. And everybody kind of looked at us in baseball from a team standpoint, because obviously what's different is you're not affiliated with a team. We're affiliated with a team. But all the teams are following what we're doing. They've been following since we started this thing in 2019. And how do you monetize it? How do you do it? How you know? So it's been we've been the guinea pig of baseball, and that's why I'm so happy for you guys because you're now in this space. And I just think about you know I used to do a weekly show when AJ Przinsky was with the Giants. I was on the Giants flagship station KNBR. We had him once a week. So I just like watch you guys. I watch your clips, and I know how. He's a funny guy. He's a tough guy. He can be prickly at times. I mean, it's I mean, he's perfect for something like this. And I'm just so happy for you guys cuz people need to understand this is where it's going. Terrestrial radio, cable, that's all leaving. The commissioners talked about they may be taking over 16 of the 30 broadcasts this upcoming season. So what you guys are doing great. I'm happy for you as we're all heading to this is the new frontier. And I've been on board, by the way. So if you go back to my own history, which I don't really self-promote much, and I enjoy doing what I'm doing behind the scenes just as much as being a part of what's you know in front of the phone camera, whatever you want to call it these days. You know, I'm a part of you know founding this, developing it, hiring, sales, the whole deal, which I love to do behind the scenes and hadn't really had an opportunity to, to kind of fully spread my wings. When MLB started partnering with tech companies, I was one of the first people to raise my hand when it was like, Hey, would you rather call a game that's non-exclusive on linear TV only or an exclusive game that's for Facebook? I'm like, that's not even a question for most people in my spot at the time, which was almost a decade ago. The answer was obviously TV. I don't, I don't want to be on Facebook for the game. And I was like, obviously Facebook for an exclusive <laughs> game. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. That eventually turned into the YouTube package that I was the voice of for, what was that? Maybe four years that we ran it. And that relationship ended last year with MLB and YouTube, but same thing. I was like, this is the best thing going in my mind. This is what I'm consuming. So I was like, I'm going to be part of what I'm consuming. And we got to do exclusive games for YouTube. They were an awesome partner. I love doing those games. And the last year I did it was myself and Yonder Alonzo. You can bring in fans like this and have conversations with them on a live chat that's all built within the same app. It was great. So I'm completely on board. I've loved what you guys are doing 
for a long time. I've wondered where is it for everyone else, but as you know, it takes a lot of hustle, a lot of buy-in from a lot of people. It's not easy to pull off. Same thing that we've experienced. A lot of former players that we're working with have to sacrifice time. A lot of them made a lot of money. They don't have to do anything if they don't want to, but they want to be part of the game, right? So how can we bring media to them? We can bring media to them by having home studios for players and building them up for them. That's what we did, right? By making everything as easy as possible. We do hit the road for shows already this year at times. We have a big partnership with BetMGM. We'll do shows at casinos and at ballparks, but we're not abusing time of anyone because most of these players, especially if they did well and they made money, you know, Pierzynski and Todd Frazier, Adam Jones, some of these guys, they're not going to be able to sell their family on going to call 150 games for name that team. It's just, it's not going to happen, right? Those, those gigs are not paying $5 million. Like they make more, I mean, I'm generalizing here, but they probably can keep their money in their piggy bank and make more on interest. So it, it has to be convenient for them, but we have to, it's important, I think for our game to make sure that the most prominent personalities in our sport as they retire still have a voice because that that's what drives fan engagement as well. They want to hear from those guys when something goes down. And in football, they've got it down to a T. You're a major quarterback. You're going to be somewhere. And it doesn't have to be on air anymore, right? Or on a regular TV network. It could be your own company like the Mannings have with Omaha, which is another great example. But we need that. And so that's why this has come together and will continue to grow because we're putting it in a position where more people, more former players can join the party and they can expand themselves. How important is it for you after all those years of doing great work at MLB Network, but now you can do what you want to do? It's everything. feel like it's liberating. And it's not, there's zero regret. And I loved what I did. I just felt like, also put the Theo Epstein theory on it, where he said 10 years at a spot, now I will not stay beyond that. Obviously, Theo's accomplished a lot. I'm just saying I liked that idea. You only get one life. I don't want to be at the same place the entire time. If you're completely in love and you're doing every single iota of what you imagined you would do, that's fine. And even if you are doing that and then your dreams change and you evolve as a person, that's fine too. So that's what happened with me. I just felt like I did what I wanted to do there. The the direction of where media is going is not part of just straight up linear television. So for me, this is where it's at. And it's also, just so you know, this show is on linear TV too. Like one of our deals that we signed pretty early on was with stadium, which is not just a streaming app that's free, but also they have, I mean, like when I visited my parents a month ago, I turned on the TV. The first thing that was on was foul territory. And it wasn't from YouTube even connected. It was from their stadium channel that they have on linear TV. So I still believe in reaching everyone. I just felt like that's what you need to do. You need to reach everyone where they are. They don't need to come to you. And it's something we should just keep talking about in baseball as well, because you can't send people to 50 different directions you need to go to where they are which i think everyone understands that it's easier said than done but we have content on not just every social platform but we're trying to get content on just every platform period so that we can hit more baseball fans no doubt about it and as you mentioned if you're not hitting people here you're 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 crazy that's where women are now more likely to be angry that they forgot their phone than their purse if they leave the house. I mean, there's statistics that the phone is, we're so phone-driven, it's unbelievable. Getting to the World Series, we've talked about all that. You know, we've talked about how home field advantage doesn't matter anymore. This whole score first, the team wins. What are you making so far of just the playoffs and the World Series in general? 
By the way, I would echo that. My my phone is my wallet. I don't want to show, but like, right? Like, yeah. that's because you got like, Apple Pay or whatever. It's like you can survive without the purse now. I'm a techie. I, I got it all there. So yeah. yes, if, if the phone is gone, I'm lost. I, I try to give myself breaks, but we know the deal. Like that is where I'm getting everything. <laughs> it's crack. Doing. It's okay. You can say it. It's crack. I, I can't get to a destination. I can't pay. I can't learn anything pretty much. Right. Obviously. Yeah, sure. There's old school books. It's just, it's not me. I'm just, I'm built off my device and probably part of it is a product of, of what I do for a living, but world series time. Here's the thing that stands out to me in a lot of the conversations we've had both with current former players, writers, the diamondbacks were a sexy team in spring training. If everyone remembers because of the brand of baseball that they played, they ended up having a good, not great season. And there are a number of reasons to that. It certainly doesn't look like the most power-packed juggernaut franchise we've seen. Yeah, they molded their roster what they thought was around a rule change and an evolution of our game. That has gone down right now. It has happened, and that gets magnified in the playoffs. So we're seeing that with Arizona. Now, they surprised everyone with their power against the Dodgers, and there is pop in those bats, but not a ton. I mean, Mike Hazen, who's the GM of the team, who made some really incredible trades over the last few years, was the first one to say multiple times this year on the record, we are not going to be the top home run hitting team. We have to find out other ways to win. So they've done that. They make contact. They're pain in the, I don't know if I can say what, what I'm allowed to say on this here, but they're pain in the whatever you want to call it on the bases, right? They're always wreaking havoc there. And at this point, it's just, Get on the bases and go. I mean, yeah. they they don't get caught. Like anybody that's on the bases for them, not anybody, but just about anybody can move, can run. They've got it down to a T. So I think it's a dangerous team, but I think they're setting a new tone for how we'll look at things in the offseason because it's a copycat league. I think people are going to be like, hold up. Maybe we need to operate a little bit differently as a franchise. I mean, of course, to, to use your like, where's the big team or the big market franchise example, the Yankees are like the opposite of the Diamondbacks. They clog up bases. They need to get younger and more athletic. So, and I think it's not just about spending or not spending money. It goes well beyond that. Like the Yankees could have spent differently. They they chose when they had a chance with free agency, aside from Judge, they chose to overlook someone like Bryce Harper. And now their fans have been freaking out. Dude was in his mid-20s. That's a great sign for a franchise like that. So I don't know how I got there, but the point is we're learning a lot from this world series right now and i don't i don't think it's a fluke i think there will be more teams that are built like the diamondbacks over the next whatever it is years until the game changes again um on the other side the rangers on paper are a better team they've got more star power there's a reason why they're here too i think they proved to everyone why you don't need to tank and rebuild for a billion years to create a great franchise they went through their lean years but not that long and then they were able to build it back up quickly with superstars that they bought that have delivered. Semyon's had a tough postseason, but he was great for them during the year. Seager's a top three hitter in the sport and top probably five or six player overall in the sport right now. So when I add it all up at this point, I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. I would be shocked if it doesn't go at least six games in my mind. Um, but Arizona is very close to being up 2-0 in this series right now. I still give the Rangers the edge. Like if I had to predict... Not that I've done that well in this postseason, but if I had to predict, I would say Rangers in seven, but I don't feel good about it. I had the Diamondbacks in five, and boy, I could have been looking real good because I think their, their style of play, to me, and this goes against the A's because when we were in the playoffs in 18, 19, and 20, we were built off home runs and walks. 
And this league, especially the big market teams, have been built on the three true outcomes. And what ends up happening is that works great for six months. And that looks that's great in July in Kansas City or now August in Oakland beating up on us. But now you get to the postseason, if the ball's not going out, you're being exposed. And that's what the Diamondbacks are doing to you. Because they're hitting, they're running, they're bunting, they're doing all these different things that win baseball games, athleticism plays, defense plays, bullpen. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I and I wonder what exactly what you're saying, too. And if baseball does go to, to only 12 pitchers like they're talking about, so maybe less openers and you're going to have to get more from starters and everything. But this style of play of younger athleticism, movement, great defense – the Diamondbacks are showing us something. Yeah, and it wasn't, you know, there was a certain point in the year before it kind of started going bad for Torrey Lovello, but at one point they were leading the Dodgers in division. We love him, by the way. We've had him on the show. I've got it written down here because he's a former ace, so we bring him on the show. And he said to us they're built on four things, love, trust, commitment, and effort. Not one of those is an analytic. No, you also need talent. But, yes, I, I love Torrey. He's awesome. I love him. But you're right. What you're describing about those ace teams that had a good run, I don't because I'm looking at the big picture and, and there was success there in the regular season. But tell me which brand of baseball is more fun to watch. It's not even oh. close. Is it? No. Who Who's sitting there going, you know what? I really love a three true outcome all the time. And it's not even an old school versus a new school thing. I mean, you and I last time I was on with you and you've seen me on. I mean, I hosted plenty of like numbers driven shows. Yeah. I like some of that stuff. I like some of the you know stats that that have been created. And thanks to, say, StatCast, where we've been able to measure exit velocity and, and sprint speed to see who's the fastest on the base path in certain um, to a certain extent, outs above average, because I still think we have a lot of work to do in, in terms of defensive metrics. I can talk new age stats, but I just I think it goes beyond that. It's just like this is entertainment. I want to watch fun. And to me, where we the game was slowing down a ton and you just weren't getting action, that's taking away from the brand of ball that I fell in love with. And I know that the younger generation, because I'm not that young anymore, the younger generation does not want to see that either. They want pace. They want action. They don't want to have an excuse that they have to go to this every five seconds. So I think we're heading in a good direction. And I have to imagine, actually, and I haven't really thought of this much, but I have to imagine the league loves seeing the Diamondbacks in a spot like this because this helps the push of getting away from that kind of clogged up brand of baseball that we got for a 10-year period and getting to more action we of course we want more athletes too like the diamondbacks are showing us that we get more athletic ball players into this sport more more bat to ball skills more speed it's going to help so that's great because if you're a player you might get a little bit more of a look if you're missing a little on your on your power tool but you've got everything else you know where in the past for a while that gets heavily discounted so yeah i'm all about it i think it's cool i hope we get more players like this into our sport let's end on this with all the players that you have, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this, just when they talk about the difference between playing in the postseason and playing in the regular season, what do they talk about? I think it's completely different, right? Because you get into this like, wave of, I don't want to say getting by or routine or anything, but every you know it can get monotonous and it gets methodical, and that's fine. I think that's how they get through such a long, really grueling stretch. Sure, you can say, like, they're not getting bashed. It's not football every day. 
But being asked to perform at that level for that amount of time every single day, and also the the fact that hitting a baseball is probably the hardest thing to do in any pro sport, it's a lot. Now the postseason comes in, it's different. Everything's short and everything's intensified. The strategy is definitely um, held to a much higher standard. I think many guys are, are kind of more tight and nervous, but actually what we've seen is there's plenty of other guys that even if they feel more intensity and pressure on the situation, knowing how much is at stake, I think the ones that we've had on our show, um, like I'm thinking of some of the Diamondbacks that we've had on over the last couple of weeks, Brandon fought and Lawler maybe was a little more shy because he's, I mean, he's been in the league for five minutes. Not that fought's been in for that much longer. Uh, Paul Seawald, Jace Peterson, some of these guys, they're trying to, at least with us, relax for 20 minutes and be yeah. like, yo, it's still life. It's still a day. And if I go too hard and get too tight, that's usually recipe for, for choking, right? For not doing well. So I think it's it's different. They know that, but they're trying to treat it the same, you know? No doubt. No doubt. It's 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 fascinating, you know, because we, we focus so much postseason with football and the NBA. I covered both for years. And then baseball – we, oh, it's just random playoffs. It's like, yeah, we're now getting more into a tournament style. It's, uh, I really enjoyed it. By the way, let me just say this. You look and sound happy. That's the number yeah. one thing. You look and sound happy. Thank you. I've been looking forward to doing something like this, you know, for a while. So I appreciate it. That's, it's genuine. I am happier than ever. Yeah, I like, I need a, I need a change. I need to switch things up. I also, I'm pretty opinionated and I, I do not take center stage on foul territory for anyone that's listening here right now that's you know tuned into what we do i do not take center stage but i do try and you know represent the fan perspective the media broadcaster type of perspective with the players the former players and current players that we have on and the insiders and writers so i just feel like i've never been able to fully express my opinion you know i mean you know also i mean i worked for the league like there are limitations there we don't it's not even like, oh, I can't talk about something. That that was part of it sometimes. But it's also, like, not even part of the agenda of a show sometimes. Like, it's not even brought up. Like, topics that we really like to get into. So, I just – you feel like that's kind of bottled up. And um, and you just I, – I feel like I don't have to be as much of an actor, you know, for lack of a better word. It's not like you were faking everything you were saying. But I don't have to worry about anything anymore. I'm just here with friends, having a good time, which I think is what modern media looks like. It's what you're doing right now, right? It's just like – Hey, we're live on YouTube. Join the party. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes to make it look and sound and have guests and everything like that be so great. But at the same time, at the end of the day, people just want to have relatable humans that they can talk to, that they can listen to. And that's what I feel now so much more um, than in the past. So, yes, you are spot on. I am definitely happy. (laughs) Well, the content's great. Your guys' stuff, what you're doing, and you guys are just going to grow. We're really happy for you. And uh, are you going to be in Nashville? Uh, not sure yet, because we've got a few other trips we're figuring out. So this year has been really nuts. Like, I didn't think it would take off to this extent. So um, we're kind of like week by week with our schedule right now. But we will be on the road multiple times in the offseason. I just don't know if, if we're doing that. A lot of it, like, has been up in the air with, with sponsors sending us to places. So um, new show. So sometimes sponsors fund certain things and don't fund other things. So. We'll see. TBD, because we didn't really plan to do that. But I also didn't plan that I would be on the road 
basically every other week the entire season to do a show from somewhere. I thought we would, like I told you earlier, I'm like, <laughs> try to be in the homes of the players and just do shows in the studios. And then yeah. you get some popularity, you get some sponsors, and they want you to go do shows on the road. So to answer your question, I would say probably not. Um, I, I don't think we need to be there versus some of the other things that we want to travel for coming up. So, um, but also that could change like in a week and we uh, got to get you on at some point. Well, I'll tell you what, we have a set always. We'd love to have you come by the set. We get everybody to stop by and keep promote what you guys are doing. But if not, yeah, don't be a stranger. I'd love to come on, but we'd love to have you come on again. Cause I've always loved your work. I think you're a fantastic broadcaster. I'm happy that you guys are. All of us going this way, we're all really helping each other. We're we're conditioning the fans to you got to get off cable, you got to get off terrestrial radio. This is where you need to come. We're all going forward together, and it's free. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I care about that a lot too, right? It's free. Like at the end of the day, you, it doesn't matter what your financial situation is. Yes, I mean, you have to have some type of device, but aside from that we're not charging anyone anything to do anything. You know, the way that this is supported for the most part, you know, is from sponsors and stuff like that. So um, our fans have been very supportive on that front too. You know, obviously we're going to throw like, like you do and like anyone would do promo codes and stuff like that, but that's good. That means you don't, you don't have to pay 300 bucks for cable and everything else. You're still going to have to pay them for your internet unless you got some other plans that you're able to <laughs> figure out. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's important to me. I, I really, and I, I remember seeing that from some of the other um, shops that, that we were also looking at to see how they were operating with athletes. Right. And, and you would hear from a lot of people that are in charge of their own media outlets saying like, Hey, we want our friends to be able to access all, if not most of what we're doing for free, right? On, on pod and on socials and on YouTube and everywhere else. So, and same thing, even our, our distribution deal on stadium. So, um, sure. We're that will, if a place comes calling, which there's been some conversations and they want to give us millions of dollars to be on a certain platform, the answer I'll tell you right now, cause I can already tell you the answer. The answer will be yes, but we're still, we'll, we'll create that for you. Cause there's no rules. We can just create another show and we still want to be able to access our fans for free somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. No doubt. It's 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 a lot of fun and and the insight from all the players that you're getting is second to none. So continued success and let's talk soon. Yes. Appreciate it. Welcome. Come on anytime. So we'll uh we'll hit you up. Our people will talk to your people. All right, buddy. You be well. Cheers. Have fun. Foul territory. It's the new show that uh is all the rage. You know, it's 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 good to see, right? Because People thought I was crazy when I was leaving 95-7 the game. I left on my own terms. Um, there were some legal things that almost brewed, but didn't. But, you know, I kinda, I left on – I mean, I had a contract. I ended up getting out of it and, you know, came to, came to the A's. And a lot of people inside our own, our own organization thought I was crazy. I then stole this guy from 95-7 the game, but people thought we were crazy. Like, what are you doing? How could you do this? That's never going to work, blah, 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 blah. And now look, they've taken the perspective of he's a host, was a host at MLB Network. They've got a bunch of former players, name recognition. They want to talk baseball. They're bringing, they use their connections to get all the current players on. It's a slam dunk. 
they're having guys on like days like on game days of the yeah. World Series. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, this is yeah, if you didn't hear I, I, I said it to Scott. We talked about it earlier. Baseball is talking about having to because of Bally's is bankruptcy, having to take over sixteen of the thirty broadcast in Major League Baseball. We're not one of them. Neither the Giants. But 16, 16 and 30. Um, that's that's uh, my San Jose State math says that's over 50%. That's over half, yes, correct. Okay. So that tells you cable's in trouble. And Major League Baseball, NBA, and this affects the NBA and hockey too because a bunch of them are on ballets too. You can't have, like, let's say, 10 teams on cable and everybody else not. Like, at some point, that's not a good business model, right? So what's the business model going for? Well, I don't know. I can tell you this. As a father of teenagers, and my twins are about to be 18, in 12 years, I don't know. I... I the whole newspaper model, which is already dead, will be completely dead. They do not get their news from Merck, Chronicle, and even if you have free SF Gate and, you know, Bay Area News, they don't get their news at all from them. So I'm talking about when they turn 30, when their generation turns 30. When you turn 30, you start, you're working, you have a little money for the first time, you're now a consumer. If you make some money in your 20s, great. But a lot of people, it's in your 30s, like yourself. You've now, you're, you know, you and your wife making money. You're true consumers now. You look to buy houses and cars and all. You're, 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 you're grown up now. Well, when my kids hit 30, that's in 12 years. They don't listen to the radio at all. Their groups, their peers, their friends do not listen at all. In 12 years, this generation that's turning 30, when they get to be in their 30s and kids even older than them, they don't, they don't listen to the radio at all. They've never even been to AM radio. It's going to be dead. Cable's going to be dead. Radio's going to be dead. They're already in trouble, but it's going to be gone. The days of us having Xfinity that I, I still have. I'm a dinosaur. But the days of us paying couple hundred bucks for a bunch of cable channels in 12 years. When my kids are 30, it's going to be dead. Dead. I don't know what cable is. I haven't used cable in years. I mean, you work in the business. And you, I mean, so it's like, and you're a dinosaur even for going to radio. I don't even listen to radio. I, I was born and raised in radio. I listen to Sirius XM. I never even go to the radio. Yeah, I was, I was thinking when you're talking about teams and everything, like in the NHL, um, my hometown, Pittsburgh Penguins, all their games are streamed in the market by the team now because they're part of AT&T Sportsnet, and, and they got out of that deal. And the Stanley Cup champion Las Vegas Golden Knights are streaming their games in-house as well yeah. because of they were also with AT&T Sportsnet Mountain West, uh, Rocky Mountain, which has the Rockies games as well. So they're doing – The Rockies got, have no idea what they're doing for their TV next year. Yeah, you got two Isn't that of the, crazy? Two of the premier hockey teams are streaming their the own games. The Stanley Cup champs basically have come out with a model saying you can pay per game or you can pay for the, the season yeah. through us. No more. You got to buy cable. You got to. I, I, San Jose State playing Hawaii this this pet the late game. Yeah. 
Probably it's one of the most bet the chaser game, yeah. they like to call. If you don't know about the gambling world in football, the last Hawaii plays at nine kicks off at nine o'clock Pacific. Six Hawaiian. So uh, they don't matter. I'm just saying. So I'm a big time difference guy. All all of the people on the mainland who have lost all day long, this is your last chance to get it back. It's the chaser game. <laughs> so many people bet on this. When Hawaii plays late, there's a bunch of money. The East Coast people, West Coast, betting this game. Spectrum Sports. So we're like, how do we watch this game? My Spartans. You could pay $70 to watch. You could pay 500 bucks for the full season of Hawaii football, or you could pay $70 per game. That's the way it's going. It's the way this thing, and it's going to be here before you know it. Things are changing so fast. That's why we created this. We created this because we knew this is the future. That's a lot of money to watch Hawaii football. Totally. $500? And the great thing about it is, is that we do this show. We Most people who watch this show will watch it later on. It's not always live. We provide a – we tell you when we're going to be on. We do that because we're on before games, right? I don't even think foul territory has an actual time that they come on, do they? Not that I know of, no. I mean, I, I mean, unless – well, no, because if they're on stadium, which I have on YouTube TV, um, they might be on this – like, say the, the show's on at 3, but they could film that – they could take that show at 10 a.m. Totally. Uh, and, but, and, 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 and Scott's – remember him at MLB Network. He was yeah. fantastic. So even even uh, Sportsnet LA is now launching a thing where you can um, sports in Southern California, California, Hawaii, and Southern Nevada without access to Spectrum Sportsnet can purchase Spectrum Sportsnet Plus, like you're talking about, nineteen ninety nine per month or one hundred seventy nine ninety nine per person. I think this is more so for like the Lakers and like that, but still twenty bucks a month. You don't want Nat Geo, you don't want Comedy Central, exactly. You don't want TBS, TNT, all these different channels. Nobody want, wants, and I'm I, sorry we're talking about this, but Scott got me fired up because we're passionate about the same thing, right? No one wants this. I I, I don't watch any of these channels. I, I literally, what do I watch? I watch MLB Network. I watch NFL Network. Those are the main two I watch. I watch the Golf Channel. NBC, Fox, and CBS. Because of games. Because game, yeah, that's what I was going to I say. don't watch any sitcoms on television. I don't want. There's not a show on television that I watch. I watch. As, as horrible news about Matthew Perry passing away, I we we were still the generation in college where it first was Cheers. I was a kid. Cheers was towards the end when I was yeah. in college, but it was Cheers to Seinfeld to Friends that you had to watch. You didn't have a DVR. I guess you could have a VCR, but. We would watch it Thursday nights, must-watch TV, and then go out drinking in college. Yeah, there wasn't TiVo back then. No, so you had to watch it. There was, it was, it, it was, it was uh, what the hell do you call it? Uh, appointment television? Appointment television. There you go. It was appointment television. That's gone. Like, people, our post-game show is the most, on, on athletics.com slash cast. our post-game show is the most downloaded thing by a lot. And there were times at 95-7, the postgame show was as high as rated as the game. 
because people like the craziness of the post game. I'm ranting and raving. People are ranting and raving. People tell me all the time. They download it and they listen to it the next morning when they're walking, when they're going to work, when they're, you know, because they weren't able to stay up late because God knows games used to be three and a half hours. Now they're not, thank God. But, yeah, people people want to consume it, consume it when they want to consume it. And that's why when we put this show, you can still listen to athletics.com slash AceCast. You can rewatch it on YouTube. You can rewatch it on, on Facebook. You can watch it. Twitter, you can go back and find it on Twitter. and watch. I mean, there's so many different ways to We call to it watch. X now. Not, dinosaurs still call it Twitter. Yeah, X, Twitter. <laughs> and you can get the podcast because podcasts are still huge, too. So you can get it anywhere you get your podcast, you can find AceCast. All of our stuff. And we've been doing that since 2019. You know, the streaming television side of it's been the last couple of years, and we've seen the growth of it. Now we see a lot more popping up here and here, but we're the only team-affiliated um, program that's doing it. Yeah, I'd like to be affiliated with that MGM Sports. Be a nice little sponsorship. There's a lot of people. That, 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 our limitations are only that kind of stuff. Correct. That's our limitations. There's, the, a, there's always limitations to everything. By the way, I, I watch TBS and TNT because they have games on there, baseball, hockey, basketball. But that's the only, like, like wrestling. That's the only time I, I mean, yeah. when I was a kid, I'd watch Gilligan's Island and the Munsters and stuff on TBS. And the Braves. And the Braves. <laughs> but I'm saying non, non-sports. non Yeah. Like. WCW. TBS, they got baseball. Postseason. Correct. When they don't have postseason baseball, what do you watch on TBS? Hockey. That's about it. They have hockey? Yeah, they had hockey on yesterday. You're watching hockey? Well, what if there's someone I don't want to watch, they're on. Uh, okay. And wrestling's I'm, on there. I'm, I'm out. I'm a- out. AEW is on there, and the WWE is still on USA and Fox. So there, there's those are the channels I watch inside of baseball, football. and. I mean, HBO, Showtime, Cinemax. I have HBO Max. We subscribe to that. But, I mean, I watch it for Curb Your Enthusiasm. But you can just get that. Yes, I have just that. Yes. Yeah. But back <laughs> no, in the day, no stars. Back in the day, that. you had to get the the, the cable package yeah. to get it. I'm pretty sure my parents still pay for that with Xfinity. They have HBO, Stars, Max, all of those. It's Jaws three. What Shark Week? <laughs> I do love Shark Week. Shark Week. Still really, it's still really popular. A uh, couple notes. Actually, you know what? Let's pay some bills. Um, I've got some facts. That are really interesting about this World Series. And there's a lot of ways to look at it, right? But we want to give you some of the facts that are going on with the World Series so that you'll have those as you watch the game tonight. Fun facts with Townie. Maybe some questions for you. Oh, and you're going to love the list. He's got a list of potential Angels managers. (laughs) I hope I'm going to text my wife her to tune in. <laughs> rally monkey. Why not have the rally monkey be the manager? Oh, wow. Wow. Just send the data down to the rally monkey and let him manage the angels. I mean, there's a good list of names on there. Is With the rally monkey on the potential list he of might, but managing maybe, the A's? He's not the uh, angels. Maybe he, I mean sh- the angels. maybe he should be on the honorable mention. Huh? He should maybe be put on the honorable mention because he's not on the list as of now. But they haven't gone through their full list of candidates just yet. Rally Monkey. We talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Did you see the spring training tickets? Here, let, me, let, me, let me put the uh, old full screen back up with the, uh, the old schedule there. There you go. Athletics.com slash spring. If you want to get your tickets for spring training, as you mentioned last week, a great holiday gift for someone. You got the Diamondbacks, our first game the 24th of February against the Rockies. You mean the, the defending champions? Oh, wow. You calling it, you saying it's over already? They are the defending National League champions, correct? No. They're going to be World Series champs. I mean, we both picked them, yes. I picked them in five because I'm a baller. You picked them in seven, meaning you really don't know <laughs> and you didn't want to go out on a limb. Scott Braun said Rangers in six is what he initially said. That's all right. What happens? Rangers don't make it out of the Valley of the Sun. They're they're lucky they're not down 2-0, going to get swept in the next two games. How about that? Wow. No no faith in future Hall of Famer Max Scherzer, huh? I talked to a future Hall of Famer Max Scherzer, and he (laughs) says the sticky stuff was not in his glove. This is where I, w- where I wish I had the, the drops. It's easier to get to, and I could just play our good friend and uh, college football winner and just go, That's not true! I talked to Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. I'm so tired of hearing about Max Scherzer. The amount of money he is making for how bad he's been in the postseason, it's unbelievable. He got bombed at home against the Padres last year. Fact or fiction? Bombed by fact. He's been bombed this, and I know he didn't pitch for that, but still, I mean, 
When has he been good in the postseason? Never. Uh, well, 2019, he had some good starts for the Nats. He's a 9.45 ERA this postseason. But uh, give him his due, and he had some starts for uh, the Tigers back in 2001. Fifteen years ago, he pitched for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Brandon he, Fought was how old? Was like it? nine. Hold on, I think I, I think got it was that. nine, right? Hold on, I have that somewhere. Max Scherzer out of. Oh God, I don't. Remember. Out of. I don't remember. I don't remember what college he went to. You don't remember? No. Out of Missouri. Uh, you call it Missouri. I call it Missouri. Missouri. Brandon fought out of Louisville. No way you get this. He's from Louisville. No way you get this. Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Well, he's from Louisville, so I was just thinking of colleges around there. As someone said, they said Louisville. He said it's Louisville. Louisville. One of my good friends is from Louisville, so um, yeah, I have no idea where he went to college either. Nickel State. It's a it's a name of a famous high school in an area we live. Sarah? You're in the ballpark. Oh wow. He went to LaSalle. Because I'm thinking of De La Salle. Our oh. area. You and me where we live. Oh. Not De La Salle. That's East Bay. Historic high school. Oak Grove. Oh, Grove. It's a big football what's school. Close, what's close to Sarah? Famous high school. Been here forever in the South Bay. Bellarmine? Bellarmine. He went to Bellarmine College? Wow. Brandon Fought went to Bellarmine College. Did not know that. But I know about Bellarmine College because they came here either last year or two years ago to play, I think, St. Mary's in basketball. That's where he went. I'm just here to educate people. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to. Of course, I was trying to look up that, that stat for you about how many years, how old Brandon Fott was. I have it. Brandon Fott was nine, nine. years old when Max Scherzer <laughs> made his debut. As a, yeah, as a D-back. <laughs> Brandon Fott was nine. Fifteen years ago. That's unbelievable. Only the 2000. Oh, so I got to get to the facts. That's what I teased. Yeah. All right. D-backs are just a third team in the wild card era to strike out no more than two times in a World Series game, 0-2 Angels and 2010 Rangers. The team that at home is the opposition of the playoffs is 22-4. and Not surprising. We've given you the team that scores first, 29-9. and In a best-of-seven postseason series with the current 2-3-2 format, teams have split the first two games 87 times. The team that played those games at home still went on to win the series 48 times. That's 55%. In a best-of-seven series tied 1-1, Game 3 winner has eventually won the series 68 out of 69 times at a 69% clip. So whoever wins tonight, that's close to 70%. You're going to win the World Series. Pivotal game three tonight. Pivotal. Pivotal. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a must win, but the other one, too, the other side I like, I don't think it's in the notes, but I saw it from, I think Joel Sherman might have had it. Uh, when a team uh, steals more bags than the other team in the playoffs, they're 17 and six. So it fits right in with Arizona and their ability to still Yeah, bases. I saw that somewhere. It might not be in here. I mean, that might have been on the ticker. Diamondbacks are hitting 364 with runners in scoring position in the first two games. Your Rangers. 125. Mm. Style of play. 
Rangers hit home runs. They won game one. Rangers didn't hit home runs in game two. Their big boys didn't show up. And what happened in that game? They lost 9-1. As they'd say in basketball, they got ran off the floor. Are you going to tell our fans who's throwing out the first pitch? Uh, Friend of the program, we just had Luis Gonzalez on. Luis Gonzalez and Brandy Johnson. Oh, the big unit's going to be out there? By the way, the best Halloween costume is the Randy Johnson and his girlfriend dressed up as the Dove. (laughs) That one Halloween, that was all over social media over the weekend. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was was really good. Um, um, There was one more stat that was along with the Randy. Oh, John Rahm apparently saw the first pitch tomorrow. Golfer John Rahm? That's that's a major champion, John Rahm. Arizona State honk. Why is that Spaniard throwing it out? He's a Euro. He played for the Euros in the Ryder Cup. Get his ass off our field. There's a uh, oh here's by the way, what majors did he win, Mr. Golf Guy? Masters. He won the US Open. Okay. And that's it. Alright, good, good. I watch good. golf. Good. Just just wanna know. Wanna no, know. Don't ask me what ma- two majors John Daly won in his career. I only won two. You don't know which ones? Uh the Masters. No. US Open. No. The Open. Yes. What's the fourth? Oh, the PGA? Yes, one of the PGA. So uh, winning, the, winning the Open is pretty incredible. So By the way, all these Euro golfers are frauds. You want to know why? Can I tell you why? John Rahm's wife was an athlete at Arizona State. He went to Arizona State, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. And he lives in Arizona. All these guys who are Euros come over here. They go to college here, they get married to American women, they live here, and they have their kids here, and then they go off to the Ryder Cup, oh, Europe, Europe, and their kids are American. And they throw out the first pitch at the World Series. Yes, fraud, but he's all about Europe for this one week at the Ryder Cup. Uh, from Jesse Rogers. Stop it. Jesse Rogers. Your kids the- are American. You're, it's funny, so they have the Ryder Cup pictures with the wives, right, because you bring your wife to the Ryder Cup. And for a lot of you who don't follow golf, you don't care about this, but it's a long time. It's a week-long competition, Europe against the United States. Happens every two years. It's called the Ryder Cup. Whoever wins gets the Ryder Cup. They have the wives, and they have these pictures with all the wives, the players and their wives. Well, years ago, the guys of Europe all played on the European tour, and they'd only come over here for majors. So they were all married to European women. Modern-day European players all play on the PGA Tour, and predominantly are all married to American women. And it's funny. It's like, here's the European team, all married to American women. By the way, I do have my NFL shirt on underneath. I Other just, side of it. Uh, yeah, I, I, did, I did not pull out a uh, a nice dress shirt for this. The Another stat for everyone who wants to know about tonight from Jesse Rogers, friend of the program of ESPN. The roof's open tonight at Chase Field. Diamondbacks are 15 and 8 this year when the roof is open. 20 write, hold on, hold on. I got to write that down. Roof open. Open. 15 and 8. 15 and 8. Roof closed. 27 and 31. Wow. That's a dramatic difference. I'm telling you. Don't be shocked if they run them the next three games and it's a it's in five. Could have been in four. If game one went to Arizona and then they ran them off the floor in game two and tonight you have Scherzer going to go like two, three innings and get racked, they'd be up 3 nothing, And no one's ever come back from 0-3 in the World Series. Nobody.
that stat still just doesn't – it doesn't uh, – 15 and 8, 27 and 31. You play 81 home games. That's nowhere near 81. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I mean, Jesse works for ESPN, so he's getting that stat from someone, right? Because they play 81 games. Yeah, so how many is that? Well, if you add the two together, what is it? 31 and 27 is, uh, what, 58 plus 24 would be 82. So he's not counting the postseason. They're twenty three, yeah. So it's somewhere around there. It's around eighty, like small. Like, uh, Don't let facts get in the, the way, way of a good, good story. Stat. Damn it! You had a good story. I Leave wrote it, it down. It. Fifteen. Uh, they're fifteen eight when the roof's open. They say that's all you need to know. It's fake news. It's not true. Yeah, where's Gundy? We need yeah, Gundy. Yeah, where's my guy? That's not true. Yeah, we deal in a world of a, they're a. Where's that Aaron Boone? The math is I'm going to edit my I'm going to edit myself, but there's a couple things I would love to say, but since I'm not going to say it. But there are some things out there that are not being reported right now. Is math wrong? 99% is impossible. There's only 30 <laughs> parks. I love I love what he said. That. <laughs> Aaron Boone. Was that this season? I, uh, what season was that? I think it was last year. And what was he talking about? It was about. Oh, I need to find the context. Don't, don't. No, no. Tell, go ahead and tell you you were saying facts out there. And I'm just saying there's some things going on that's not being talked about, and they're very important, and they're not being talked about. Who's talking about Chris Woodward? Something Chris Woodward said last year about ballparks, and oh, because he called it a Mickey Mouse uh, ballpark, and all the home runs. Yankee Stadium. Say, yeah, and that's when he said his mass wrong. <laughs> There's only 30 parks. 99 percent is impossible. <laughs> I I'm I'm a fan of Aaron. I mean, I hate the Yankees, and you know what's going to happen. And I love it too, by the way. When we go to the winter meetings, they put us right next to the Yankees in the Yes Network. Uh huh. We battle the yes. It's only us and the Yankees there. Can't wait. Can't wait. And I get louder as they get on just to annoy them. Is math wrong? 99% is impossible. There's only 30 parks. Last year was great, though. Remember, Brian Cashman signed the extension, and Brian Cashman came walking by. We're like, Brian! He's giving us a thumbs up. Hey, guys! We're friends. Yeah. Then they get, remember the whole Arson Judge and Giants are firing up NBC Sports. Oh, my God. <laughs> NBC Sports Bay Area. They never show up, but they showed up. Last, they kind of showed up, right? They kind of showed up, and they started making a set out of nothing because they thought they signed Aaron Judge. And the reality is they didn't get Aaron Judge, and they took their makeshift set down, put their tail between their legs, and they were gone. They did get Arson Judge, apparently, though. That's who it was, Arson Judge. So ridiculous. So ridiculous. But, but before Emo comes on, and you were teasing your facts out there, before Emo comes on, uh, should we go over the Angels' managerial Yes. Names? Okay. Before Emo. Emo's in the what we call the green room here, so he's waiting. So he'll hear I got to put my costume back on. Can he see me yet? Yeah, he can right now. Hold on. I got to get the costume. Okay, so I'll go through the list while you put the costume on. Here's the list of guys that are being considered. This is from Bob Nightingale of USA Today, friend of the program. Torrey Hunter, the five-time All-Star and nine-time Gold Glove winner, has emerged as a candidate to fill the Los Angeles Angels managerial vacancy. Artie Moreno, big fan of Torrey Hunter. Torrey Hunter. That's one. 
Wait a minute, is he going to play, man? He's going to manage? Uh, I saw I saw someone throw out there that Kevin O'Connell could be the quarterback for the Vikings and be the head coach now that Cousins is done. Uh, other names being considered, Buck Showalter, nice track record. Uh, Ron Renneke, he was a winner in Milwaukee. Let me ask you a question. The Angels, who predominantly had 3 million people a year, is Buck Showalter at this point going to really do much for you? Um, Does Buck Showalter – He's a smart guy, but at his age, is Buck Showalter what you're looking to build? No. He's the guy you bring in if you're trying to win now. Tory Hunter. Are you kidding me? Tory Hunter? Ron Renneke, Buck Showalter. Okay. Renneke managed before yep. and was a part of your – the last time he was a part of that staff with Joe Madden under Socha. He makes sense mm-hmm. in Boston when they had success. Yeah. He's had success Burst. as a bench coach, manager – that makes sense. Uh, there'd be um, <clears throat> uh, Darren Erstad. Was he going to punt for you? What do you mean he's a manage? <laughs> uh, pre- and post-game host Tim Salmon. <laughs> we a friend of the good, program? Good player as well. No, I don't think he's ever coached. And then uh, Benji Gill. Tim Salmon's been like – Tim Salmon's another one of those guys that made too much money. Tim Salmon, who's doing your pre- and post – you're going to have him as your manager? He's on the list that Bob Nightingale has, and then Benji Gill, who was a coach, who's a coach, infield coach, as a former catcher for the Angels. Those are the guys. I want to go back, Darren Erstad. Isn't he at Nebraska? I want to say he was or he is Darren Erstad. Great punter at the University of Nebraska, Darren Erstad. Uh, first, of course, first his name. First thing was up. I mean, he was a terrific player. He's a good player. First thing's up is a bobblehead about him. Um, yeah, he's former. He was a former head coach. He used to coach in Nebraska. Yes, he's not coaching there now. Guess not, according to Wikipedia. But don't can't trust everything you read on Wikipedia sometimes. Will our next guest ever want to manage? It's a great question. Let's find out what's bringing he's, him. He's on. a leader of men. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. How are you doing, Emo? How, how do you like that? This is my Riddler outfit for Halloween. How do you like it? Yeah, I love it. At, at first, when you didn't have the mask and hat on, I didn't know if I was going to be talking with J- Rodney Dangerfield or not. <laughs> well, after a while, you got to take it off. It gets a little hot, right? You got to. Yeah, it looks awesome. So I will be, I got the full suit, pants, the whole thing, socks. Uh, we'll be strutting around the neighborhood, passing out candy tomorrow. I wanted to dress up since this is uh we will not be on tomorrow on Halloween, but so I just wanted to show you. I've talked about for years my Halloween costume. Well, here it is. How's the shoes? Uh, I wear black. I just have black dress shoes, but I have the I have the socks with the question marks. I got the full outfit. Look awesome! You look awesome with the cane. You got to go full gore. Uh, have you ever thought about managing? I mean, I guess it's always something that uh, crosses your mind, you know, um, but I really haven't gone in, in full detail with it. Uh, you know, th- those guys, uh, you know, what what Mark Kotze and Bob Melvin do are, is tremendous uh, preparation, which I, I love to prepare. Uh, I mean, I guess I would always entertain the idea. You know, I think, uh, you know, when, when it comes to managing, you know, your, your bullpen is the most important part of it, in my opinion, is how you're going to keep your bullpen guys, you know, sustainable over the course of 162. You know, it's kind of, you know, you kind of know when you should probably pinch hit. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's building that relationships that Cots does so well. 
and uh, being able to manage that bullpen. Major League Baseball is talking about going from 13 pitchers. Now, Not you, you just deal with what they tell you to deal with. That's your job. Major League Baseball had to legislate against front offices because they were having too many pitchers. So they made it 13. Now they're talking about making it 12. If you have only 12 pitchers, would that, A, make it harder to use openers, and, B, how would that change mixing and matching? You know, for, for me, you just you go right to a four-man rotation and keep your bullpen. I mean, that's pretty much what guys are doing now anyways. You know, you're knocking the guy out third time through, which is about 75, 80 pitches. You go three days off and you do it again. You start again. So, for me, uh, you know, there, there's uh, ways to get around, you know, cutting your relievers down. And, and for me, the first thing I saw is, well, why wouldn't we just go with four starters and uh, you got some off days. You got more off days now uh, than we had, you know, five and six years ago. So you, the, you know, your guys are going to get their rest. And I just think that that would be the way that that's the first way I would see it is I'm going right to four starters and I'm going to have uh, I'm going to keep my eight relievers. Do you think baseball would do that? You think teams would do that? I, I don't see why not. I mean, we're we're, uh, we're you know, kind of getting consumed about that 100 pitch count mark. Uh, we're kind of pitching more to swing and miss to where, um, you know, guys are trying to strike guys out or, or uh, you know, the, the at-bats are prolonged. You know, we always used to talk about having 15 pitch innings. Now, you know, league average is rough, roughly over 17 pitches an inning. So, you know, I, I think, you know, any way you, you slice and dice this, uh, somebody's going to come up with a different way to, to uh, use their bullpen, use their options. On players, you know, we cut the options down to where you can only option guy yeah. uh, five times in a in a season. So, you know, we can keep trying all this stuff. I just don't see uh, where we'll end up going with it. It's going to be interesting. The World Series game one, man, that could have been won by Arizona, and then game two they wiped them. They could be up two nothing right now. Obviously, it's one one. Give me your pitching observations from game one and game two of this series. Well, let, let's get to the obvious that everybody's been talking about. I probably got, you know, 35, 40 text messages, Seawald's fastball to Seager uh, in the ninth inning. You know, you know, uh, only 8% of first pitches are put in play. And of those 8%, you roughly get, you know, in general, three hits. So you're really three for 100. Uh, that's how uh, first pitches go. So, you know, what we're, you know, everybody's questioning about the fastball, you know, instead of questioning where it was thrown, you know, he, he tried to go up kind of more middle, the ball kind of, you know, cut on him, came right back to the barrel on Seager. And we all know Seager's swinging at, at one point in time. I know it was roughly over 50% first pitch swings. And, um, you know, when you know he's swinging, he knows that you know that he's swinging. You know, Tim Hires knows that I know that he's swinging. You just got to put that in a good spot. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to take your chances, I guess. And, and like I said, the number is only 8% of first pitches are put in play. So, uh, you know, they just got beat on, on that particular pitch. But overall, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, both teams have, have been competitive. You know, uh, Arizona got on, on that second game pretty good. 
they hit the ball where it was pitched. I think tonight's game is is really important for Max Serger to uh, really solidify himself. Uh, he's the guy that the Texas Rangers, in my opinion, you know, went out and got for this game. If you look for at tonight's game, you know, Serger pitching uh, in game three, it lines up for him in game seven. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting game tonight. Over and under five innings for Scherzer tonight. Oh, man. You know, I'm not a betting man on baseball. I just like to see Max just go out and uh, uh, see both pitchers have a, have a good pitching duel tonight. He just doesn't want to say under. Emo, I said under. No, no. I hey, said under. Cody said under. It's okay. You can say under. You know it's under. No, I, I, you you know. I just want to go out and I want to see both guys uh, go out and pitch well. Well, Brandon Fott was uh, nine years old when uh, – when uh, it's interesting. He was nine years old when Scherzer made his debut for the D-backs and when Madison Bumgarner was let go, that's when he was brought up. So, interesting two great pitchers of their time, Brandon Fott, uh, kind of looking at his history with these two guys. Y- you know, it's just when I look at style of play – and how the regular season where everybody's playing the strikeout, home run, walk game, that plays for six months. You get in the postseason, and you get a team like the Diamondbacks. Emo, their last seven games, they're hitting 285, six home runs, 20 extra base hits, 14 stolen bases, and six six sack bunts. Arizona is relentless. They are getting you every single way. They are on you from pitch one, and that style of baseball truly plays in short series. I I think you just, you know, uh, you know, like we talked about trying to score the first run. You know, the in game one, the the Rangers scored the first run and ended up coming back and winning that game. But you know, when you're putting pressure on people, you know, that's the biggest thing is pressure, you know, laying a bunt down. Now the defense has to make a play. Uh, I think it's just uh, baseball is a game that is played on the field. It's tough to play it on paper, but uh, you know, Arizona is, you know, in my opinion, relentless of what they do. They take what you give them. You're going to be one, three, five to one, six to the plate as a, as a pitcher, they're going to take off and steal second base or third base and add an extra 90 feet. And anytime you move up an extra 90 feet, it in- increases your, your your rate of run scored. So, you know, controlling the running game is going to be important tonight. Uh, you know, if Arizona is relentless in their at-bats and don't chase pitches outside that strike zone, they get on base and then they're off to the races, you've got to be able to control that running game. But Arizona tonight, you know, if they take what they get, uh, take what uh, Max gives them, if we're going to throw sliders away all day, and they're in the zone, they're going to go the other way on it, or the left-handers are going to pull them. So I think it's going to be important tonight that the pitchers execute their pitches to the shadow zones, meaning the corners, up and in, and down and away, keep the breaking ball for reach, down and away, chase it when you need to, uh, push them off the plate when you get ahead. I mean, you, you see that's what a lot of teams try to do uh, to Garcia. They get ahead, they move him. Uh, he's been hit a couple times. You know, you know, I hope that it's not intentional, but they're trying to just kind of get him to think, man, I'm not coming. Are they coming inside so they can throw something down and away? And sometimes the ball does get away from you because you're trying to make that pitch. You you might uh, 
you know, add a little bit more to your fastball and that ball takes off a little bit more and, and you know, hits people or it's a wasted pitch. Cause sometimes you throw a ball deep inside that hitters like, man, no, I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to get up even closer on the plate. So I think tonight it's going to be who can pitch to the edges the best wins the game. Ron Darling, former Oakland Athletic, Met great and Met broadcaster, made what I think is a very good point. Now, I'm a creature of the late 80s, early 90s. Ricky Henderson changed baseball from the top down, all the way down to us in college baseball, I even say in high school baseball. Not as much high school, more when I pitched in college. When Ricky Henderson was stealing all those bases, everybody wanted to be like Ricky Henderson, we as pitchers had to get faster to home plate. The slide step was created in the 80s, and we really utilized it in the 90s. Fielding our position, holding runners on. We had a bazillion different pick plays at second base. We had plays at third. We had all these bunt defenses, I remember, at San Jose State. And Ron Darling made the point, today's pitchers are not even close to that. Today's pitchers are just laser focus on getting the guy at the plate. They don't even, he goes, there's teams that don't even really know how to pitch out. To them, a pitch out is a fastball up and outside. The old school pitch out, he's like, he goes, pitchers today, they don't field their position like they used to. They can't control the running game. They're slow to home plate. You're a pitching coach. You see it. How different, even from when you were coming up, when we were talking about faster to home plate, control the running game, slide step, to where what you see now with the postseason, as you just said, pitchers are slow, and Diamondbacks are going to take bases and 90 feet all day long. Yeah, at one at one point in time, the rule was a, a change of direction. The pitcher could come check, said he had a change of direction, and then that uh, enabled him to pitch. Now it's become, you know, we have to come to a discernible stop, a full body stop. And uh, when, when we come to that full body stop, advantage goes to that base runner because now he, he can sit around and, and start timing us. Yeah. One, three, five is the general number that you're looking for to contain the running game. Give your catcher a chance to throw somebody out. Uh, you got two disengagements. You disengage twice and you come to that discernible stop. That clock's running down. Now that base runner can use the clock a little bit. So holding runners is very important. And I try to you know, preach to our guys, what goes up must come down. So we don't necessarily have to have this high leg kick because it's going to have to come down. All you want to do really is get into that backside, get into that good load, and and uh, ride it down the slope. But sometimes guys think, you know, they got to generate more power by lifting that leg a little bit higher. But remember, that leg has got to come down. Sometimes that leg goes up just so uh, uh, we know how to time up our arm in the back. So it's educating the pitchers that what goes up must come down. So, uh, you know, getting into that good load and go, getting into that backside, riding out that backside down that slope and really, really fighting to keep that delivery around one, three, five and give yourself a chance to throw a guy out. Pitch outs. Yeah. Uh, we don't really see many pitch outs anymore. Um, you know, the game is changing and it's evolving into a, a different style, but it's, it's kind of fun to see, you know, the base stealing come back in the, uh, you know, I thought uh, the shift, uh, was better than I anticipated. You know, I, I really had a lot of fun with all the new rules this year. I, I kind of thought it kind of brought baseball back to what it was 20 years ago. And it's exciting to play that cat mouse game 
with that runner on first base and trying to contain that running game. All right. What is the number you hit and you go, anybody's stealing on you? Like, I'm stealing uh, one, on you. Yeah, one, one, once our guys get to 1-5, you start sweating in the dugout. But what and, about 1-4-ish? Uh, I mean, what is the number? Like, what is, like, the the lowest where you go, man, if you're still at this, you're in trouble? Well, I, I, I tell you about data here. Uh, we know how fast the runners are, right? That We know the release times, and we know our catcher's times. So we know if a, if a guy has a 15-, 16-foot lead and our guy is 1-4-5, and our catcher's too flat, we know that base runner has a chance to steal a base. So all these things are mi uh, mixed into the data. You know, we'll be looking at the sheet going, all right, this guy's got a big lead. Our pitcher's one four five. Our catcher's too flat. All right, what can we do? Marcus Jensen, who does a great job on our bench controlling the running game, uh, he's the guy that gives the signs you might see on TV. And, uh, you know, he does an amazing job, does his homework well, knows the counts, knows everything. That's how much data is out there. We know exactly when they like to steal, uh, how they like to steal. You know, video gives us, does he like to have a walk-in lead and kind of take off? Does he like to time us? Now they also know, okay, this pitcher, you know, his right heel comes off the ground a little bit before. His hands start a little bit earlier. He starts to lean a little bit forward. So now everybody's playing this cat and mouse game. But ultimately, you got to give the catcher something to handle as well. You got to have a good time. You got to give your catcher something to handle, and he's got to come out of the shoot and make a good, accurate throw as well. All right. Evan Carter made his debut against the A's. And I remember reading in the notes hey, this guy was the minor league player of the year. And then he stepped up to the plate, and you're like, well, he doesn't look that imposing. By the way, Evan Carter has eight doubles during the playoffs. That's tied for the most doubles in a single postseason ever with Mookie Betts, Ben Zobrist, Albert Pujols, and David Freeze. When you first saw him, so you were the first pitching coach to game plan for him in Major League Baseball. What were you seeing in reports and what have you seen so far? Because this guy hits it all over the joint. Yeah, you see a guy, like I said, takes what you give him. Uh, a guy who's got some speed, who can beat out some hits. A guy that uh, is very patient, doesn't go outside the strike zone very much. And when I see that, that's that's important because, okay, now, when we when we get ahead, where can we go? When we fall behind, where can we go? Uh, you know, our, our double-A pitching coach, Chris Smith, had seen him. Brian Corey, our triple-A pitching coach, had seen him. So you're, you're making some uh, calls to them about, uh, you know, what, what they see, you know, they also write a game report and a game plan, how to get him out as well. So you're reading those reports and you're just collecting all the data, but he's one of those grinders, man. He, he's just one of those guys that, that, you, you know, you, he might lead off. He might hit in a three hole. He might hit for protection in the five hole behind somebody. You know, when you got a guy like him, who's patient and uh, doesn't chase out of the strike zone, he's a good protection guy. For somebody ahead of him, that meaning, hey, I got to go get this guy because if I got to face that guy and he protects himself very well and he doesn't chase, now I, I cause havoc with two guys on the bases. Yeah, it's really interesting how you guys network together and how much the minor league coaches, it's so important that they write the good reports after every single game. So when you got a guy that comes up and you haven't seen, you truly have resources and eyes 
that have watched the players. So we always think about minor league guys are down there. You're coaching up the players on your team, but they're also like the coaching staff. They're almost like extra scouts for you down there. Yeah, big, huge, huge part of uh, of what I like to do. You know, I love to kind of get a history on a guy and go back and, and you know, the first thing I really do, though, when I get a, a new hitter in the big leagues is I go right to our, our data and I write a report. I don't want to be influenced by anybody else's report yet. So I'll go right and write my report. You know, we got unbelievable amounts of information and I write the report. And then I go and read the other reports to see if we're still on the same page, because if we're not on the same page, you know, I, I also go back and look at the last hundred bats as much as I like, you know, big data and looking at, you know, a, a 300 at bat or, or year sample size. You also have to go back and kind of look at short term. Is he is he uh, making adjustments? Did he change something in AAA to get the, the but he wasn't in AAA very long, you know, and, and then. You know, uh, does the hitting coach when he gets to the big leagues make an adjustment with him as well? So, you know, uh, our coaches at the minor league level are, are amazing and, and they really do a great job of, of helping us prepare for when we do get to see that guy for the first time. There's people who are going to say, why the heck would you pitch to Dolis Garcia there in game one? And, you know, it's like the Barry Bonds treatment. Like, no matter what, just put Barry Bonds on. Like, you don't want to do – as a pitching coach, when people say that, how do you respond? Well, there are certain times that you you go around that lineup and you start circling guys that you don't want them to beat you. Uh, he beat them on an opposite field homer down the line. Uh, that's that's a pitch that I, you know, I, I tip my cap to Garcia on that. Uh, going the opposite field. Uh, I mean, at some point in time, like I said, you get a guy, you get Garcia on, you pitch around him, you walk him, he steals second base, and now a blooper uh, lands in front of the right fielder and he scores. You know, you might be kicking yourself for for uh, pitching around him and then letting him steal, and then that blooper beats you. I mean, this guy had to beat you with a home run to the opposite field, the big part of the field at that moment in time. And, and I'm sure, you know, their matchups – uh, and their data, you know, brought to them, okay, let's pitch to this guy and then move on to the next guy. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, as it's, it's tough to tell a pitcher, Hey, pitch around a guy. Like you have to have belief in your stuff that you're going to get that guy out. And no matter how high, how, how hot a guy is for the most part, the percentages are still in your favor. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're looking at numbers, you're looking at percentages, you're looking at matchups. Uh, it just didn't happen. It just didn't work out, you know, and then, and then we get to put on our Riddler outfit and play uh Monday morning quarterback. Right. And just talk about, uh, talk, yeah, there we go. Talk about, uh, what should have, could have, and would have happened if we did something different. Uh, you know, it's, it's not easy. Uh, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, who's behind him right now. And if we make a mistake, maybe that matchup wasn't great, uh, uh, on their data set and they, they preferred that matchup. Yes, he is hot. When's he going to stop being hot is, is something we got to figure out, too. What are we going to do to slow him down? Pitching him around him? Yo, it's possible. But um, like I said, they got beat uh, to the big part of the field. All right, Texas wins tonight, and then you got the game four. It scares me when you're doing a staff game. 
it just scares the hell out of me because it takes just one guy to have an off night and it derails the whole process. That's what Arizona's going with in game four. How do you go about it? What is that like? You're planning on, you're hoping this guy gets you one through two or three and then three to four or five. Like, like talk us through how you plan as a pitching coach for a game that's going to be essentially a pitch by the staff. Yeah, like, like I said on a couple uh, uh, episodes before, uh, if you've done it all season, then I, I think that's something that you do. If you haven't done it all season, I think it's it's really tough. I know, you know, when we opened up Liam Hendricks, you know, some people said we shouldn't have done that, but Liam had done that seven or eight times leading into that game in Yankee Stadium. So we had done that and we were successful uh, doing that. So what, what they're going to do is they're going to look at their matchup sheets. You're going to, you might see uh, Will Smith or Chapman in, in the sixth or the seventh, a little bit earlier, whenever uh, the left-handed matchups come up or the pinch hitters that they're going to have to face come up. So you're just play, ultimately playing a matchup. You're ultimately having a guy ready for every situation. And what happens is you 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 can't go out there and say, okay, let's just leave this guy in because he's pitching good. If the matchup says no, we're bringing in somebody else, then that's that's what you're doing today. You're going in with a plan that, hey, I got nine or ten guys down there. This is how we're going to do it. This is this guy's five guys. This is this guy's four guys. This is this guy's six guys. This is this guy's four guys. And, and you're trying to, you know, hopefully get through it. Now, what happens is the scoreboard is going to change it. You know, you, you get ahead by seven or eight or, or five or six, whenever you feel comfortable. That's when you can decide, okay, I got a guy who's slated to throw six batters. We're up five, six runs right now. If he can just give me two more hitters, uh, then I can shorten this a little bit more. But you're right. You know, the biggest thing that you start doing and, and, and you really sweat is, all right, six guys have to pitch really good tonight for us to win the game. Just one hiccup or two hiccups that, you know, it's really tough to come back from that. So uh, that's the toughest part about, uh, you know, doing a bullpen game. Uh, you know, it's different with an opener game or a bullpen game. An opener game, you're just trying to get that starter to land in or the bolt guy to land in a good spot and give you, you know, four or five innings and then see where you're at with your bullpen. When you're doing a bullpen game, you're, you're, you're expecting guys to, you know, pitch shorter distant, you know, shorter amount. And then everybody's got to get through it to be successful. It, it, that's a stressful game. It, it, it reminds me back in the day being in a casino at 1am thinking playing craps was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a gambler, so uh, a lot of a lot of bad know, decisions it, it, after midnight when you're in Nevada, my friend. And yeah. when, when your buddy tries to talk, hey, let's go play craps. It never ends well. Uh, Want to ask you this before we let you go because I think this is so interesting. The team that scores first is 29 and nine in the postseason. In the postseason, as you've been in it many of times now. There's that desperation. There's that every pitch, every play. In the regular season, we don't have that, right? You're at the Coliseum, the National Anthem. You guys all line up. You put your hats over your heart. Next thing you know, the game, each game has a rhythm. Could you manage a 162-game season where, guys, that first run, first inning, second inning, where, you know, could you manage like that? 
where it's that desperation, we got to score first? Well, for, for me, obviously, as a pitching coach, you always want to be pitching with that lead because you can be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, but that aggressiveness, you know, it still only takes one mistake for the other team get to get back in that game if you get a one-run lead. But, you know, the numbers don't lie. You want to go out there. You want to pitch with the lead. Uh, scoring first, you know, the, like I said, those numbers aren't lying. So what can I yeah. do to score first to put the pressure on the opposing team? You know, there are tack-on runs. Score first, then then you can start playing some tack-on. Uh, but I, I really do believe that uh, the team that scores first always can relax a little bit more in pressure situations because other people are pressing too much. So I, I would do the best I can tonight uh, to score first. But you, 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 you look at Texas, you know, you get the first two guys on, you're probably not bunting that three-hole hitter. You're going to try to get, you know, three opportunities to drive in a run. But if you're down in that lineup a little bit, uh, like I, I didn't fault Longoria the other day for for bunting there. I, I just felt he was just trying to you know get his guy in scoring position uh, so uh, they could take a lead. Luis Gonzalez, Diamondbacks legend, recently was on our program during the playoffs, friend of the program, stopped by Ace Cast Live, will be throwing out the first pitch. i just wondering as a – a former two-sport star in the Valley of the Sun yourself. Of course, truly, they compared you to Larry Bird at one point in Arizona. Have they called you about maybe throwing out one of the first pitches? Uh, they, they don't want me out there, you know. Uh, no. You know, the, the, hey, I was, though, in the first Diamondback spring training, 1997. I got a hat that says it. I got released from the Red Sox, uh, got on an all-night plane, Flew uh, back to Phoenix. We had spring training in Yuma, Arizona. My dad picked me up, drove me to Yuma, Arizona, and the great Buck Showalter got on me yeah. because I broke out. I broke out new pony spikes, brand new, right out of the box. I just got released. I'm like, you know what? In order to be important, you need to look important. I'm going to pull out these nice new pony baseball spikes, and I didn't know the rules there yet that you had to have black shoelaces in the black shoes. So I heard about that that day. But, uh, you know, at one time I was a member of those Arizona Diamondbacks and I got a hat to prove it. Yeah, a lot of people don't know with expansion that the minor league teams play before the big league club, like John Lynch, NFL Hall of Famer, now 49ers GM, has a baseball in the Baseball Hall of Fame because John Lynch – Pro Football Hall of Famer, also played baseball at Stanford. He threw the very first pitch ever for the Marlins. It was their double-A club. So John Lynch is in the Baseball Hall of Fame, that baseball that he threw. So what was that like, by the way, that first time? Because there's no big leaguers around, right? This is just – it's all yeah. minor leaguers. Yeah, it, it was it was, it was was pretty cool. Uh, Mark Davis was still trying to pitch, uh, making a comeback, left-handed, one to Cy Young. Yeah. Uh, we had Travis Lee on our team, who was an unbelievable San prospect. San Diego State, yeah. Uh, uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to uh, kind of see. There were some guys, you know, like me, that were, uh, you know, trying to hang on, I guess, uh, trying to stay alive. Our, our pitching coordinator for the Arizona Diamondbacks was our current Oakland A's pitching coordinator, Gil Patterson. Really? So uh, – so it was, wow. that's the first time I got to meet Gil Patterson and, and listen to his program and, and how he uh, got everybody going for the day. So, you know, I got to build a great relationship. And, um, 
You know, it was, it was, you know, at that time, the Diamondbacks, if you ripped your pants in the minor leagues, they threw them away. They didn't put patches on these things. They threw them away for a year or two. And uh, it was, it was really fun to, to, uh, you know, be a part of, uh, you know, I was there a month. I was terrible. Uh, so, uh, I went to high desert and pitched my way right out of baseball. The high and, desert uh, Mavericks, baby. Hey, hey, another tidbit. Radio uh, announcer for my high desert Mavericks, the great Johnny Doskow. Yes. You know what? So there's another relationship there. So I, 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 I may mean, I may have called because for two years I did the San Jose Giants. I may have called one of your games. Uh, if I was around, Mark I Davis, might have been released Mark quicker Davis, than that. The 1989 NL Cy Young Award winner, Mark Davis, who you're talking about, was on that team in High Desert that I called play-by-play. Yeah, uh, he he started out, I believe, and extended for a while trying to get his arm back in shape. So I didn't. I, I when I signed, got to spring training. I had like four days before we left. Uh, had a couple interactions with him, but I was gone. I think he stayed back for a while to get his arm going again, and then he went to High Desert. But uh, you know, Travis Lee, I'm telling you, that guy was really good. Well, I, I played against him. Yeah, he uh, he tore us up. We knew, like, when he – so my senior year, San Diego State came up and played us at San Jose State, and you knew, like, every scout in the world was at the ballpark. You know, when you – because, I, I mean, I got a chance to play against Phil Nevin, Jason Giambi. These guys were all, all you know, Olympic guys – uh, obviously, Phil Nep. I played against Kotze for God's sakes. Kotze was Golden Spikes. When these guys played, there was a million scouts there. Like Travis Lee, you knew was going to be the first pick, but obviously he wasn't going to be the first pick because he hired Boris. But you did what he got like thirteen million dollars. I mean, when you were playing in college against a guy who was like the best player in college, I got that opportunity a few times. You knew it as in the ball because there was hell. There was more scouts in the ballpark than fans. I, I think that people really don't realize how great of a college baseball player Mark Kotze was. I mean, unbelievable baseball player. I mean, a great major leaguer, uh, played a long time. But, I mean, talking about a Hall of Fame college baseball player, 100% Golden Spike winner, a, a guy that closed games out, you know, from center field. I mean, you know, we don't see that as much. You know, talking about one of the original dirt dogs, he should be because that guy played played his tail off in two spots to try to beat you. He would go like three for four against us with a knock and at center field, and then come in blow ninety six, ninety seven, and close the game out. There you have it. That's why he's the Golden Spike winner. But you know what the great part is? Now I tell him when I interview him every Friday, and don't forget that. Wow. How about that? Well, you're looking good. You're looking good right now. All right. Enjoy the rest of the World Series. When's our next show? It's right after the World Series. Monday. We will talk to you next month. By the way, I can't thank you enough for uh, doing all this. The fans love it, and your insight is second to none. As someone who has prepared against these two teams, uh, it, it, it's awesome stuff. It, it is it, I mean, we, I wish we could do this every single week, but obviously you're busy during the season. But this, what what you have provided us is just incredible. Well, I, you know, I, one thing we want to do is uh, watch good baseball. And uh, the playoffs have been really good for Major League Baseball. It's really been fun to watch. And and uh, hopefully next year we're, we're back in it. 
All right, buddy, we'll talk to you on Monday. All right, thanks for having me. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics right here on A's Cast Live. Breaking it down. You're getting it from a guy who's prepared. That's like we talk about Evan Carter, who has been an absolute sensation. Hold on one second. Yes, he's been great since he's been up here with the Rangers for, what, not even two months now because he came up in September, right, early September. He came up against us and uh, great minor league player, good minor league defensive player. I think he won a gold glove with the Rangers. Was that Round Rock is where they play? Uh, he's The Rangers have other guys coming, but it was good to see Carter up here for them and doing well in the uh, World Series. It gets hot. The cap? The cap gets hot. Um, yeah. Evan Carter made his debut against the Athletics, and it was like, this guy's all world. And you looked at him and you go, well, he doesn't look all world. He is all world. Well, Emo prepared. He was the first pitching coach in the big leagues to prepare for him. We're getting great insight. There's no question about it. All right, where, where, are, I, I, where are we? It's a 304. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You still want to do your game threes? Oh, sure. You worked hard on that. Uh, I did. I did get some highlights. Hold on, uh, it was a thing in the notes actually, and they broke down the best game threes of all time, or best game threes in World Series history. As we're getting you ready for Game Three, so number ten on the list was the 2013 World Series between the Cardinals and Red Sox, and the game ended in a really uh, infamous fashion. There was an obstruction call that, that caused the Cardinals to win, and uh, we'll play the highlights for you. Here's the game winning uh, Joe Buck. On the call with Fox, uh, Alan Craig scores on an obstruction call by Will Middlebrooks against the uh, Boston Red Sox. Jay grounds one. Pedroia makes the play. Throw home. Two out. Over the third. It gets away. Alan Craig is going to come to the plate. Here's the throw. He is. The umpire making the call. They're going to say he's safe. Jim Joyce saying obstruction as Craig was tripped coming down the line, and the Cardinals have won this game 5-4. So Tim McCarver goes on to explain the entire situation, but yeah, Alan Craig scores after getting tripped by Will Middlebrooks. One of the Cardinals writers called it not a walk-off, but a limp-off because Alan Craig was so slow getting to the plate, but the Cardinals won that game. Um, <clears throat> they didn't win the World Series. But that's number 10 on the list in Game 3s of the World Series, the 2013 World Series Cardinals-Red Sox. Hold uh, on. Okay. 62 walk-off victories in World Series history. Yeah, there's a couple of them on this list. 62 walk-offs. Proceed. By the way, you're going to have to go faster or we won't even make first pitch. Uh, okay. Number 9, 2005 World Series Astros against uh, the White Sox. And this happened. 
The longest game in World Series history. Blum hits it into right down the line. Blummer? Gone. Jeff Blum, the former Astro, goes deep. And here in the 14th inning, the White Sox take a 6-5 lead. So Jeff Blum, that was only his second at bat of the entire postseason, hits the walk-off home run for the Chicago White Sox. They go on to win the next day, sweep the Astros for their first World Series title since 1917 when they won back in 2005. And, and he's got a statue now. Yeah, now a good friend of the program, Astros broadcaster. Plumber's Astros, got a statue. Astros broadcaster, Jeff Plum. Astros honk. <laughs> so eight on number eight on the list, the 1999 World Series between the Yankees and Braves. Uh, Chuck Knobloch tied the game in the eighth inning, and then it set to stage for the for the tenth inning for this. Ramlinger deals the one-one. Swung on a drill deep to left field. That could go. Williams back, looking up. See ya. A home run into the Braves bullpen and left center field, and the Yankees win the game six-five, and they're one win away from baseball nirvana. Next. So, so that's Michael Next. Kay on the call. Yeah. Uh, so we go to number seven on the list. The Yankees going to win that World Series. They're second in a row. Uh, 1978, the World Series. World Series. Greg Nettles put it. Put oh, on you a got defensive. another Yankee highlight. Put My on God, a, we're sticking around for Yankee. Was this Yankeeography? A great defensive clinic by Greg Nettles. The bases are full. Trevor Nettles with a great play. Who's making a believer of even Tom Seaver? He is absolutely fabulous. I don't believe it. Tom Seaver, Joe Garajola on the call for the Nettles World Series. was a great player. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you know what? I haven't looked at his numbers. I mean, obviously, he went to uh, he grew up in San Diego and went to high school and is very good friends with my uncle. Oh, nice. I never, never told you that. They're no. buddies. Yeah, Nettles, Nettles had a really nice career. Very good defensive uh, player. I think his war is ooh, like 70s. Close. He's got a 67.9 war. 390 home runs, 1,314 RBIs. He's got a 67.9 war. Big puppies in the Hall of Fame. And Nettles, two-time World Series champion. Two-time Gold Glove winner, six-time All-Star, ALCS MVP. Uh, played in World Series, obviously, with New York and San Diego. I mean, there's guys who have less wars than him in the Hall of Fame, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah, tragic. How is, like, Nettles should be in? Lou, yes. Lou Whitaker. Lou Whitaker has over a 70 yep. war, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Bobby Gritch, has, a, Bobby Gritch has over 70 war, and he's not in the that Hall of Fame. That is – yeah. Bobby – I watch Bobby Gritch – was it KT? What were the Angels on when I was a kid? KTLA, I, I, something like that. So I remember watching Bobby Gritch, and he played with the Orioles too. Um, yeah, but the, there's guys that we literally need. We're talking to Paul. Speaking of Jeff Blum, we're talking about Paul Konerko. There's guys that the voters. Konerko's has a really low WAR though. What is it? It's like forty. It's not very high. He hit a ton of. Yeah, bombs. He, he had over four hundred home runs. We got to rethink some guys. Yeah, we definitely have to read. There, there's guys that. Because let me tell you something. If you got starting pitchers going 
What did you say the average starting pitcher went this year? Uh, to, uh, five and a third in 2023, starting pitchers. If the average pitcher is going five and a third, uh, years from now, you're going to have no pitchers to put in the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's a fact, yes. No pitchers to put in the Hall of Fame. You're going to have to rethink some of these guys. Yeah, uh, I think I think Meadows, Gritch, and Whitaker are great great examples for, so far of guys. Who by the be. way, these guys weren't on roids. Uh, also they're, true. They're playing in the seventies. They may have been on something else, but they weren't on roids. Uh, allegedly, roids distorted. It's it's. All right, so number six on the list, the nineteen ninety seven World Series. Um, <clears throat> which is actually kind of funny. Ties in. Apparently, Craig Council's going to interview for the Guardians job, but he really it came out during the interview with Emo that he really wants the Mets job, according to the New York Post. But Council, a big part of this World Series and the O one World Series. But uh, in this series, we know the Marlins won, but Gary Sheffield put on display in Game Three. The two one pitch is hit high and deep to left. Bip Roberts to the wall. Bip. Bipster. Sheffield hit only 250 during the regular season, but in September he got hot. And when he has had pitches to swing at, he's continued to swing a hot bat in the postseason. That's the great Bob Costas on the call for the Who? World Series. Marlins won that World Series in that game. Gary Sheffield three hits with five runs batted in. The Marlins won 14 to seven. Number five on the Hold list. Hold on. You, you want to talk about a snub for the Hall of Fame? A nine-time All Star, mm -hmm. a batting champion. A war of 60.5, 509 home runs. That's four. 1,676 RBIs. Five. A career OPS of 907. Six. I guarantee you that OPS is higher than most Hall of Famers. Probably. I was looking at Greg now. His is like 730. All right. 750. But, yeah, uh, he's another guy who should be in. Uh, but we kind of know why he might not be because of the area he played in. Uh, allegedly. Uh, so it was number, a Lucy – who said yeah, that? A-Rod. Lucy Goosey era. It's a Lucy Goosey era. <laughs> uh, number five, the 2018 World Series. It's kind of like streaming. We're in a Lucy Goosey era. Yeah. We know about this because of Nathan Avoldi and what he was able to do pitching that game. It was the longest game in World Series history. 18 innings, seven hours. three? Yeah. Oh, that game went forever. 18 innings, seven hours, 20 Put minutes. Put a runner on second. Seven hours, 20 minutes long. And uh, at XA – Ended it off of Voldy. Bottom of the 18th inning. Nathan Evaldi has been terrific. Wonderful. Brilliant. Here's Max Muncy. Oh, Max. Muncy flies one in the air to left center. Back at the wall. And it's gone! It's over! Muncy! A walk-off home run to win game three in the 18th. Yes, they won that game, but we know the 108-win Red Sox won the World Series that year, so that's the best. That's number five Max Muncy was an awful A. That, that is, that awful. is a fact. He that's was awful. Number four on the list. The 19th. And when I hear, oh, the XA's in the playoffs, and you're including Muncy. By the way, has anybody talked about how the XA's have done in the playoffs? Um, well, we can add Jace Peterson on the list. He didn't get a hit. So. Uh, one of the biggest stories in the playoffs is how bad Marcus Simeon has been. Was he 12 for 62, I think? He's like a 190 hitting, average? He's or? hitting 197, I believe it is. Yeah. Marcus has struggled. Yeah. Love Marcus. But what, I mean, Rangers win the World Series. I will be so happy for Marcus Simeon. He's one of the great guys that we've ever had with the A's. He's one of the great human beings. Uh, always been so good to us with A's cast. And A's cast live, root for him, but man, he has been bad in the postseason. Yeah, hopefully he gets it going. 
uh, well, hopefully he figures it out. Well, he no, better we, get we, it going. Yeah, they need him. They need him to serve one of their highest paid players. Oh, number four on the list. The 1964 World Series, and yes, your beloved Yankees are on the My list God, again. God, was this Yankeeography? Against the Cardinals, but this time we got audio. This time uh, a Hall of Famer who rightfully is in the Hall of Fame uh, did this. Here's Mantle. He's grounded the short. He's walked. He's doubled the right. The big Yankee crowd roaring now for some action. There's a So the Yankees go on to win that game, and well, rest is history. You want uh, you, you, you? Do you know who that was on the call, though? It would be uh, Red Barber, the great Kurt Gowdy. No, here, play it again. Here's Mantle. He's grounded the short. He's walked. Okay. He's doubled the right. Uh, Mantle. Hundred and ten point two WAR. That ain't good. Three-time MVP, Triple Crown winner, seven-time World Series winner, seven. Seven. Um, also the greatest switch hitter of all time. Uh, batting title, 20 All-Star games. Uh, he had a career 172 OPS plus. Now, remember, 100's league average. He was only 72 better than the, the league average. <laughs> 977 career OPS. Yeah. Um, 1,500 RBIs, 536 home runs, all on bad knees. He had 110.2 war. It's one of the best of all time. 110. Jesus. So, number three on the list, uh, this guy tormented a lot of teams in the postseason when he was a Cardinal. No, it's not David Freese because we know what he did in I think it was a game six of the World I, Series. I, I know this guy's an angel. Uh, the, yeah, I remember him as a Dodger. I don't know about you. I remember him as a great Dodger. But uh, this guy hit three home runs in game three of the 2011 World Series. Well, here's the third one. The Rangers fan is thinking I had to watch Pujols have four hits, two home runs. And he hits me. Shot a two-run home run, and now a solo blast. And Albert Pujols has tied Reggie Jackson with three home runs against the Rangers in game three. Yeah, so a five hits, three home runs. That's a nice little game for Albert Pujols. Yeah, and he had a nice little career. Yeah, then after that he went and signed to deal with the Angels and never won a postseason game with them. Now he's a TBS hack, or is he TNT? TBS. Is that too soon? Never won a postseason game with the Angels? No, he didn't. He only played in three. That's right. Yeah, they, yeah. they got swept yeah. by the Royals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's three and out. Three and three and a Q. Yeah. Uh game two on the list, nineteen seventy five World Series. Big red machine versus the Red Sox. A little controversy earlier in the game, but uh friend of the program, no longer with us, Oakland Zone, Joe Morgan did this. One ball, two strikes to Joe Morgan. Morgan wins the ball game. They get credit for only one run batted in, and the Reds win it six to five. Joe Morgan getting credit for a single and a run batted in. Well, he drove in two runs tonight, and what a game we had! And we'll have controversy after this one over the bunt by Armbrister in front of the catcher Carlton Fitz. Final score six to five, Cincinnati. Truly one of the great World Series of all time. One of five one-run games in the series. Obviously, everybody remembers game six, Carlton Fisk going yard. Stay fair, stay fair. I got to go this way. Stay fair, stay fair. 
and there's a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. That that series had a lot of issues with rain, but truly one of the great World Series, 1975. And then the Big Red Machine would go on the next year and hammer the Yankees in the World Series. And they're the last National League team to repeat as uh, World Series champions, 75-76. It hasn't been done since. I remember like it was yesterday. Hey, I'll take your word for it. I wasn't even born yet. I was, what, three? I wasn't even I was b- keeping score. I wasn't born for thir- till 13 years later. Three, three <laughs> years old, I was keeping score. <laughs> And number one on the list, game three of the 19, you remember it well, 1932 World Series when the Cubs and the Yankees went allegedly, when allegedly. Do, when do we turn into Yankeeography? Allegedly, George Herman Ruth called his shot. That was in game three? Yeah. Do you have? Do you have? No, there's no audio. There's no video. Well, there's, there, there's video, but they Dig don't show. him up. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I couldn't find I tried looking for the radio call. I could not find it. That was Will Farrell and what's his name when they were talking about there was was like for the ESPYs. And they were like, Babe Ruth, dig him up. Um, I don't know who did it with Will Farrell. But the guy he did uh uh, uh Talladega Nights with. Oh, John C. Riley? Yes. Yeah. That's they did that you know you ever saw that opening or that, that skit they did at the ESPYs? No, but it's I I believe it though. So there you go, there's the list. A lot of Yankee games on there, yeah. There's a lot of Yankee there's no doubt about it. Like, you know what games are on there that should be? Why I'll, I'll add it myself. And not playing a homer. Why is Game Three of the 1989 World Series not on there? Game what? Game Three of the 1989? Yeah. You mean the Earthquake Series? Yes. Started by David Stewart. Yes. By the way, I was talking about it earlier. There's news going on that no one's talking about it, and it, it would involve Dave Stewart. I can't talk about it. Oh, all right. But it just shows you that hack people that have been covering a lot of stuff won't bring this thing up. They should. Um, can I end on something? Something to notice so far in the series. The back of the lineup. And it's been big for some teams in some series. Hitters five through nine. You want to know what the difference is in the first two games? D-backs five through nine are hitting 425. Your Rangers are hitting a buck 18. Five through nine are hitting a buck 18 for the Rangers. Well, Mitch Garber better step up. Four for 25 for the Snakes. Snakes four through four through nine are hitting 425 with a 1,040 OPS, four extra base hits, five RBIs, and most importantly, 12 runs scored. Their five through nine are killing it while you're getting nothing five through nine from the Rangers so far. Some of those guys for the Diamondbacks are like, you know, Alec Thomas is having a great postseason, Evan Longoria who has the longest span in the history of baseball position player-wise from World Series appearances from 08 to now. He's doing well for the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are getting contributions from everyone they're putting in their lineup. Tommy Pham. Cattell Marte make it 19 games in a row? Hey, why not? I mean, say hot, kid. The LCS, the NLCS MVP, Cattell Marte. All right, this game starts at 5.03. 5.03, what time is it? How much time we got? 3.21. So we got a little more than an hour and a half. Yeah. Scherzer out of the game yet? Future Hall of Famer. I mean, is Max Scherzer really that great? He's pretty good. Regular season. Oh, wow. Regular season Max is what you call him. Yeah. (laughs) When's the last time a great pitcher? When's the last time we had a great regular season pitcher who was great in the postseason? Verlander. Did we say Verlander's great in the postseason? Gave up three bombs to pop, or two bombs, two of the three to pop uh, Sandoval. Bring up Verlander's 
world bring, bring up his Verlander is not even close. This is if I'm, I'm actually glad you brought this up because and Bob what, and Bob and by I, the way, what did he go in last year's clinching game? He went five innings. I, I mean, come on. And Bob Knight Josh knows. Beckett threw a complete game on three days rest, complete game shutout at Yankee Stadium. Um, he has a 3.58 career ERA and two, 226 career innings in the postseason. I have to add, manually add up his wins, but all right, uh, he's a three-five. That's not dominant. No, Bob Nightingale and his lo- lo- most latest piece were at the Angels News was in there. Um, he mentioned how Kimbrel's uh, postseason stats might hold him, keep him out of the Hall of Fame. Well, it's kept kept um, Billy Wagner out. Yeah, Wagner should be in. They say Wagner, hey, he's just his postseason sucked. It was terrible. Got lit up. David Stewart, 2.84 career ERA in the postseason. That's what I'm talking about. Stu won 20 games four straight years and then went in the postseason was dominant. That's greatness. When is a – that was Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson was pretty damn dominant. I was going to say him. I was going to look up Andy Pettit. But he's not great. No, but he won a good amount of games. Because well, uh, he, yes, but he was on the Yankees and the Astros. Oh, so that so that matters. Who you play for when you have wins. Oh, interesting. Let's keep moving the goalposts. No, 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 no. Three fifty RA. He played in the postseason a bazillion times, like all the Yankees. What do you have? Uh, three five zero ERA in, in the postseason. postseason. He's yeah. out. So when's the last great pitcher in the regular season and was in the postseason? I got Dave Stewart on the phone. Let's see Greg Maddox. No, Greg Maddox ERA. Greg Max was even. Greg Max got rocked in the postseason. Yeah, I said it. Uh, Maddox, I pass up postseason, and he played a lot in the postseason. Three twenty-seven, uh, three forty-two. No, no, three twenty-seven ERA in the postseason. That's better than uh Wait, his World Series actually is pretty good. It's the rest of them are not. Uh, in the World Series, he has a two hundred nine ERA. Yeah, look at nine NLCSs. He's got a three six seven. 11 NLDSs. Now, 3-4-2, but for Greg Maddox, that's terrible. Yes. What was Pedro? Who's your daddy? I just called the Yankees my daddy. Um, he had a 3-46 ERA. Good, but not dominant. John Smoltz. Ooh, Smoltz, he might be really good. Uh, I know him as a, I know him as a broadcaster. You know him as a cardinal. Uh, two sixty-seven ERA, fifteen right. and four. There you go, <laughs> Smoltzy, Smoltzy, Dave Stewart. Now we're finding out who brings it in the regular and the postseason. That's what I'm talking about. Fourteen years, John Smoltz pitched four. So when people rip him, John Smoltz, put that back. Put that back. John Smoltz for 14 years was in the postseason. This is straight dominance. 14 years in the postseason with a 2.67. This is not like a couple years. Just You're talking he pitched in 41 postseason games and had a 2.67. That's dominant. That's what I'm talking about. So we found two so far. That's not a lot. I mean, we, we could, we, I mean, it's we, like Sandy Copet, but there's certain guys who just didn't get that much. Like Andy Pettit, put up Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit pitched the Yankee guys played in the playoffs every year. 
And then he was even in the playoffs with Houston, wasn't he? he yes. Andy Pettin's career had a uh, 36, uh, 381 ERA in 32 different series. He had a season. Like Jeter had a season. Yeah, Jeter's 200 hits in the postseason. How many starts does he have in the um, – He started 44 games. Oh, my God. <laughs> Expanded playoffs. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anyone, like, as you mentioned, like, I'm thinking even more recently, like – Last 10, 15 years, I mean. Who's been a guy who's been dominant? Like, Merrill Kelly was dominant. Yeah, he was. Nine, was it nine Ks, no no walks? Yeah. Uh, I mean, dominant. Can't say Chris Seller, David Price. Hmm, Christian Javier was pretty. He was good last year. He didn't, uh, wasn't, he wasn't that good. Exactly. Yet. So who's been the guy who's been dominant? Regular season, postseason. Garrett Cole has been pretty – he has been so up and down in the postseason. Um, People don't like him, but Kurt Schilling was pretty damn good. He was a really good postseason. Go put, put Schilling. He won like 11 – He hit, I think he was 11-2 and two in the postseason. Yeah, Kurt Schilling was dominant. And he was great during the – and what, 200 and something wins? Uh, 216 to be exact. Uh, Kurt Schilling in the postseason. Schilling post was dominant season. in the postseason. He was eleven and two with a two twenty three ERA. Two point two three, eleven and two with a two point two three. It's pretty good. There you go. All righty, fun show. Halloween. You guys all got to see the Riddler outfit. I'll be wearing it tomorrow. Passing out candy. I like passing out candy to kids. I love Halloween. My whole house is decorated. I'm a Halloween guy. Like I said, I'll be in Pacific Northwest. You're going to Seattle tomorrow? Just for one day. For what? Before we go to Vancouver to celebrate my 35th birthday. Yay. Oh, Jesus, you guys. Wife's in Cancun. Wife's in New Orleans. Wife's in L.A. Why You're now going. I mean, you guys travel. The rest of us got to work, and all you do is travel. I got to work, and you go down early to Alex Jensen's wedding <laughs> like you're part of the family. Well, Dave O'Brien does consider me like a long-lost son. I mean, you didn't need to be there for Friday's events. Dave personally invited me down. My, it's what said on my invitation. Dave O'Brien invites you. Court, yeah, and you would take the free food. <laughs> Get down there early. You're unbelievable. All righty, we want to thank – who do we have on today? Scott Braun and Scott Emerson. A lot of Scots. Scott Braun, by the way, what they're doing with Foul Territory, really, really cool. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter, X. You can follow them on Instagram. You get a lot of their video stuff on Instagram. Uh, great stuff. And, of course, Scott Emerson, the – the details we're getting for him is second to none. All righty. Yeah, good show. We'll be back when? Monday. Monday, November 6th, after the World Series. Remember, ends. subscribe and athletics.com slash spring for tickets. Correct, yeah. Here, I'll bring it up one more time. Here you go, athletics.com slash spring to get, to get your tickets. Here's the schedule if you want to check out the Snakes, the Rockies, the Giants. The Bob Melvin-less Padres, maybe Juan Soto-less, too. Who's we'll going to manage that? Who would even want that job? I mean, someone's going to take it. I, you know, the whole thing, Mike Schilt, this is a great point. Mike Schilt left the Cardinals because of micromanagement and analytics. Correct. Um, you won't get the analytics part, but you'll get even more micromanagement <laughs> with A.J. Preller. Why would he take that job? Why doesn't Preller just go manage the team himself? You can't find a manager he likes. Why doesn't he just do it? Shots fired. Just saying. Thank you for watching A's Cast Live. We'll see everybody on Monday.
This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.